This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast presented by MyBookie. I'm Rich Crange alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How are you? Good. You didn't puke last week, did you? No, I told Listen, I don't get sick. So, like, what? So, after the show, nothing. Just back to normal. Boom. I don't know. I just, you know, I went out with my night and uh, <laughs> went to sleep and now I'm fine. Any, any, you know, any, any, any tumbly, you know, was your tummy rumbling all night, Joe, or were you good afterwards? So. No, my tummy wasn't <laughs> rumbling. That's what I say to the three-year-old. And <laughs> I was... <laughs> so your yeah. tummy was okay. Your tummy was all right. Yeah, my tummy wasn't talking. That's good. Okay, well, that's good. That's what we want. So that's that's good to know. That's, that's what TLB says as a three year old. Is your tummy <laughs> is your tummy talking? <laughs> no, my tummy's fine. Your tummy is fine. Okay, well, that's good. Joe's yeah. for those concerned. We had many many people writing us letters and and, and letting us know. Joe's tummy is fine. So don't don't worry. Yeah, no nobody vomit. worried. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> Clearly, nobody cared. They just laugh, you know. You they you you've monetized your eating, and then they just laugh for your enjoyment. It's you know, it's sick, really. But we're glad. Uh, I, listen, I haven't monetized my eating. I've monetized, you know, giving these uh, food items, uh, you know, a legitimate push on our platform here. You know, so that's the way I look at it. It's not. I'm doing a service. Yeah, you're right. At Shack should really start uh, hitting up, hitting us up. I mean. Well, I don't know, based on the reviews that I get. Well, he can I write this know. wrong, though. That, that's what He's got to write that wrong. He's got to talk to the franchisee. He's got to get, you know, a uh, grassroots campaign to get whatever. I, I, okay, so, I, and this is my question that I was going to ask. I didn't want to spoil it last week because we were, you know, discussing, and, and it's on the paywall, by the way, patreon.com uh, slash voice of wrestling if you want to hear Joe uh, eat a shakaroni, quote-unquote, air quotes, and then a papadilla. Um, that's no air quotes. That was an actual papadilla. But uh, is this, so you're ordering from the exact same Papa John's every time, right? Yeah, I only have one option. Okay, so there, I, I, I'm guessing there's not two Papa John's in the in the, the vicinity of, of of your area. So well, there's um, only one. There's only one that will deliver to me. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and Michelle brought this theory up. The nurse brought this theory up. I wonder if it's kind of an insight that they maybe there's maybe there's somebody that works there that listens to this show. Is that possible at all? That's impossible. It's impossible. Okay. Come on, what are the odds? I it'd be it'd be insane, but um. Because the level of quality that you're getting from this Papa John's is, is really, I mean, it, it it's bad. It's it's pretty substandard. I mean, not getting not getting the blue cheese dip is one thing. Not getting the blue cheese or the marinara is another thing. Not getting the right pizza that you ordered. I mean, come on, this is it it similar to my Xfinity conspiracy, which that I guess got solved today. I'm thinking this Papa John's thing has to be a conspiracy as well. Look, it's not been good. They haven't done a good job. They haven't done anything right. Like other than like they haven't done one every time you order. Something is drastically wrong with the order, including giving you literally the wrong pizza, which. Yeah, and it's, I, I've never had a problem with that. 
Papa John's. That's what I'm saying, though. This is what I'm saying, Joe. Think about it. Open nah, that. It, open that third eye. Let's go. Put that tinfoil no on. No shot. This is a terrible conspiracy. You think there's a listener there? Yes. And then they're looking out for my name, and then intentionally sabotaging the product so then I can bury their location. Correct. That doesn't make any sense. Correct. What sense would that make? We're talking about him. We le- we led the show off talking about Papa John's. Yeah, but it's all bad publicity. But it's got people thinking, you know. All publicity is good publicity, Joe. <laughs> uh, Vince Russo taught us that. That, bro, if they're talking about you, it's good. <laughs> I think this Papa John's getting my order wrong every time, and me saying the food is not good is not it's, good it's, publicity. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's not the best publicity. I'll, I'll admit that for sure. But um... it's terrible publicity. I didn't get the little pepper gimmick at this time either. Really? Oh, come to... on! That's like a that's that's like a number one. Like th- this is ridiculous, show. That's their whole shtick. You can't you can't go to this place anymore. You can't do this anymore. I promise you, they've never steered me wrong before these two orders. I mean, I not like I'm ordering Papa John's all the time, but the once or twice a year that that I order Papa John's, I've never had a problem with them until these two orders. Hmm. Did you notice they were in our mentions? Like, oh, what can we do to make this better? (laughs) The best part about that, too, is it wasn't because you tagged them. Because I think we tagged Shaq, just to let him know that he didn't. I didn't tag anyone. I I tagged Shaq. I tagged Shaq because he did not get you a Shaqaroni. And that's, you know, that's fucking bullshit. So if he's going to be the representative of that company, he stands by it. You know what I mean? You really think Shaq's going to (laughs) answer? I mean, what's the point? You think I think it's he's like he's stuff. tossing a turning all night. Like I gotta, I gotta write this wrong. This is yeah. This is, you know, on, the, many, on the set of Inside the NBA, he's looking down at his phone. No, no, no. This can't continue. <laughs> right. You know how many idiots probably tag Shaq on a daily basis? Do you think he even looks at his mentions? God, no, no. no Rich, we have fifteen thousand followers, and I never look at the mentions anymore. It, you, you can't look at the mentions. You know, so he's not looking at his man. He's got millions of followers. But anyway, no, I didn't tag anyone. They vanity search. They vanity search Papa John's, and I forget. I think it wasn't even you complaining about it, really. It was you just describing it, or I think somebody was in the mentions uh, talking about it, and they they chimed in with like, "Hi, we're sorry to help, you know that you had an issue. Please contact us as soon as possible, and we can you know and and." I think I even replied. I'm like, "Look, man, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I don't care." Right, like, I get it. It's fine. I've worked in the business. I understand. It's fine. Like, don't worry. Yeah, here, I know exactly what would happen if I then went. <laughs> right, I'm not doing that. You know, the managers, the poor manager is going to get beat up and he might not have even been there. Then he's going to take it out. Then, as you know, shit rolls downhill. OK, so he's going to take it out on whoever was running the shift that day. They're going to take it out on whoever fucking packaged my papadillas without the marinara. Yeah, that day. 16 year old is going to get shooed out for his minimum wage job that he doesn't even really want. Yeah. His parents not... forced him to have. It's like, you know. And for what? So I can get a free six ninety nine papadilla. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. I don't want the free sixty nine six ninety nine papadilla. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I don't care enough that there wasn't a blue cheese in my papadilla to to do that to people. So um so no, I did not pursue that. I think I even told the guy. Yeah, please don't. Even... Yeah, please don't bring this up to chain. Like let's not. Yeah, like no, you're not getting my order number because I I don't, I don't want to get people in trouble here. It's not it's not a big deal. Like you know, um. You know, I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not a complainer. I don't know. Yeah, well, we Part have uh, is- we we have a lot of brands in our mentions and our DMs because I know you've been seeing this too. That I, I complained about Xfinity over the last few weeks, and now I got like every fucking day somebody has to check in from Xfinity to see that I'm doing okay. Like my favorite was over the weekend, the guy saying, "Hey, how's your weekend going?" And I'm just like, "Uh, fine." He's like, "I'm gonna go kayaking." And I'm like, "That's cool." Did you did you see that DM? Oh my god. Rich, not only did I – listen, here's the thing. How creepy was so, that? So you're, you're having this DM back and forth with the Xfinity guy. 
replying to you. And he's asking you about like your personal life. Yeah. And he's telling you about what he's doing this weekend. Like Rich isn't kidding. The guy was like, oh, yeah, I'm going kayaking this this weekend with my pals. It's always a great time. What are you doing this weekend? I'm like, wait till Rich sees this. Like Rich wants to talk to this guy. About what he's doing. Yeah, I was like, bro, just make my internet good from 6 to 8 p.m. on fucking Thursdays. I don't give a shit about your kayaking. I'm glad. Kayaking's fun. Great. But yeah, and every day they're like, hey, uh, do you mind if we check in after your appointment? Hey, is your appointment still good? Hey, uh, when's that appointment coming? I'm like, guys, just leave me alone. Like, It's fine. I almost replied to the guy like, listen, I'm not rich, but this is an impediment on my life. So either get this fixed or fall out of your dopey kayak. Okay, fall in the water because we got to get this fixed. I hope your kayaking goes poorly. But I figured that wouldn't help your case. No, so no. And, and it, it, two straight weeks, it's been fine. I had a tech out earlier today. Um, they do that thing where they, like, unplug the cable and plug it into something else and fuck around on their phone for a little bit and say, oh, yeah, it looks like everything looks good now. So like, you know. Here's the thing. No one's going kayaking. You realize that that's some guy. Oh, he's a call center guy for sure. Yeah, that he it's wishes. He, he, he knows that, like, Americans go call, kayaking. Correct. And he wishes one day that he can move. To a country where he can kayak and have fun or whatever. But he definitely, yeah, he's just like a 21-year-old kid that's stuck in a call center. It's not even that. He just They give a list of hobbies that they think are relatable to people. <laughs> so you got the kayaking guy. The other guy gets the fucking stamp collecting guy. The other guy gets yeah, the... How about well, the big game this weekend? You're like, what game? <laughs> the big game, yes. The big game, correct. That's what that is. Okay. So that there there was no kayaking by whoever this guy was. What was his name? Brian or something or whatever. I forget. How yeah. Many... They they go by their initials. It was like BT or something like that. It was was Yeah, you know. BT's not going kayaking. <laughs> no one's going kayaking. Who goes kayaking? I do. That's the other thing. I go kayaking. Oh, stop it. When's the last time you kayaked? <laughs> like a month ago. <laughs> you kayaked. Yes, a month I just ago. kayaked around the Grand Tetons like fucking a month and a half ago. In a literal, in like a yes. literal kayak. Yes. With with the gimmick with the paddle where yes. you, you got the, the, the gimmick fucking... with the paddle. You mean a paddle? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the paddle. You got the helmet on and you're in the. I did not have a little... helmet on. It's not. It's... Why didn't you have a helmet on? It's not on? American gotta... Gladiators. What do you need a helmet for? Don't you kayak with a helmet for safety? I mean, is no, that how it works? No, no. That's like, I'm not like white water rafting. I'm on a fucking lake. I think you think they're the same thing. When I think of kayaking, I think <laughs> of a guy. He slips into the little narrow boat where only your legs go underneath the thing and the and the half the other half of your body's out. So you're kinda like a boat minotaur. Okay. Like yeah, it's part. not quite that. They're they're slightly large seats. But go on, go on. Yeah, like the, your lower body is a boat and your upper body <laughs> is out of the boat and you have the paddle and you're wearing a helmet and you're navigating rocks and waterfalls. <laughs> yeah, and that's white water rafting. I was not doing that. That's kayaking, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's white water rafting. <laughs> But do you white water raft in a kayak? Um, no, I think you're like in a raft when you wa- white water raft. That's not the kind of boat you use. A kayak. I don't think you use it. I I think a kayak would be a bad option to use. Am but... I describing a kayak correctly? Um, sort of. That, I think. Okay, I'm also not. Uh, uh, I, I don't know my, my boats all that much as much as I aspire to one day know somebody who owns a boat. I, uh, I no, the kayaks that I go in have like big seats. Right? I know what you're talking about. I know like what. I think that might be like a. I don't know, like a row kayak or something like that. That's like, you know, I, I, I well, it was a kayak. I, it I always, I always look at that and I'm terrified. Cause I'm like, if the, if the boat flips over, you're under the water, but your legs are stuck inside the boat because you got to slip in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I wouldn't do those either. Yeah. I would do the ones I do have a lot of space where, yeah, you could just pop out if you want. So. But I assume the buoyancy 
would would like bring it isn't it designed where you come back up over the water you're asking me about but, a lot of boat questions here. <laughs> but, you, but your head is still under the water that's terrifying like i would never get in one of those things you wouldn't you couldn't get me in it i don't know but so what you're doing is a different you're, you're on no, a I'm lake kayaking i don't know what the thing you're talking about is i have no idea i am kayaking you just go on a fucking lake a river of some sort you just kind of you know you just go down the river go around the lake fuck around for two hours and you go back so what kind of life do you lead this is interesting it's you, a good you, life. Yeah. you you literally have kayaked in the last 30 days yes yeah. twice actually Wait. now that i remember i'm i'm amazed by this <laughs> because i don't think i don't think i've ever met another human who has kayaked once and you've you kayaked in the last 30 days. Like in a national park in the last yeah, month or so. Like, to me, kayaking is, like, fake. It's one of those things that people say is real, but you you never meet someone who's actually done it. That's what that is is to me. But you have kayaked, and not only have you kayaked, you've kayaked recently. Like, you can still taste the lake water, right? Like, you've, you've kayaked. That, that, that blows me away. Like... There's certain activities to me that aren't real that just you hear that they do them on they do them on like credit card commercials, but you don't think people are doing them for real. Kayaking is one of them. Yeah. Rollerblading is is the one that I think that people don't actually do. That's another one like like uh, mountain climbing and shit like that. Like no one's really doing that. Like you (laughs) you do that in a credit card commercial. You know, where you're attached to the line and you're, like, scaling up the side of a mountain. No sane person is doing that by choice. Like, if you're running from a bear, I understand. But, like, what are you? Are you out here, like, uh, what's his name? Alex Holland or whatever? the guy. That Alex Honnold, yeah. I'm not – no, I am definitely afraid of heights. So, I am That's not what I mean. Like, I, there's – The I nurse, though, think... the nurse wants to we're, – we're going to Yosemite here in another month or so. And she wants to – and I'm like, get out of here. I'm not doing anything. She out of her <laughs> mind? Anything. Yeah, I'm not climbing I will take pictures of you climbing up something if you want, but uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm horrified of heights. I won't even. Wa- I won't even watch that movie. She wants me desperately to watch that movie. Free I watched that. I'm watch not. That. I'm not in a million years. My watching that movie. So. I can watch it. I just would never even fathom doing it. Like that. And, and that documentary is like a giant advertisement to not do it because every 15 minutes in that thing, he's talking about another friend who fell off a mountain and died. <laughs> and died. Yeah. Right. Including himself, like, <laughs> who nearly dies. And 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 you know, I haven't seen it, but I know. Yeah. That like his girlfriend drops him and he breaks like 20 bones in his body, and he's like, oh well, whatever. Like go his, back. Yeah. Like don't don't do that. It's not natural. You should not do that. His girlfriend fucks up. He falls and fucks up his ankle, which then fucks up this big climb he's going to do. And he climbs with no rope. He just climbs like he's a caveman. Like he just climbs with no support, no rope, no protection. He's insane. And he fucks up his ankle. And then he does the climb anyway with the fucked up ankle. And there's like this one part of the climb where you have to let go of the mountain and like leap over to another part of the mountain. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's making me – I'm getting anxious just thinking about you describing it. So I, I think I'm good. On watching and then it. he's like, oh, well, this is going to be a tricky part of the mountain because this is where my buddy Paul slipped off and fell to his death. And I'm like, what? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yes, don't do this. And then he's like – they show him like talking to a group of students or something in a high school. And one of them says, how much money do you make doing this? And he's like, oh, I make about as much as a mid-level banker. And I'm thinking to myself, look, that's a solid occupation. But for me to climb up the side of this mountain with no support and put my life at risk, I need to be making more than a mid-level banker. Well, the that good thing is I think he's making substantially more than that these days. So, 
by now he's got to be a millionaire. Oh right? no, yeah, no, he's he's doing quite well. Yeah, so I mean, after the documentary, and now he's like a celebrity, and he's like one of the few that haven't fallen off and died. You would think that at this point, he's set for life. But here's the thing: with all that money, you know he's still climbing up these dopey mountains. You know he's doing it. We're gonna we're gonna read about this guy dying someday because he fell off that fucking mountain. I just I, I don't get it. Because also, you get older, you're not a sh- like he's got to be in his like mid to late thirties by now, right? I think so. Yeah, you'd have to ask the nurse all these questions. That's her her god. So um, she would she know. wants to do this shit. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's yeah. literally at a gym right now, climbing up walls as we speak. So that's. Man, you gotta talk her out of this. I know. She took me once, and I, I, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you enjoy talk this activity, her, yeah. Talk her back into the kayak. I'm gonna go watch G1. I'm gonna go watch old G1s instead. So, watch some credit card commercials and come up with an alternate fake activity for her to do because yeah. that one's not good. Yeah, rollerblading. That, that's what you always see like in a. It, it'll be uh, credit card commercials or like yeah, some like weird pill that you're not quite sure what it does. You would know if it yeah. was targeting you, but you don't, it's not targeting you. So you really don't know, but you got to oh, endure yeah. it anyway. And it's like this couple and they're like, you know, rollerblading and holding hands. And it's like the spectrum, like yeah. <laughs> open your world. And you're like, I don't know what that's for, but it, yeah. I guess open it sounds your, good. It's, it's <laughs> like, always open your world. It's open like, a window to a new world. You're like, all right, that's cool. Like, whatever. Now, like, now that I'm not shitting myself, I climb right, mountains. Yeah. Like now that like, kind of deal. Yeah. Now that my crippling anxiety is gone. I can now. <laughs> Now that my yeah. fear of the outdoors is done, I can now go outside. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Thanks to this pill, which cures my irritable bowel syndrome, but <laughs> yeah. also gives me suicidal thoughts, I cannot climb mountains and rollerblade. That's exactly what they always are. <laughs> right. you know? And one of the side effects is always suicidal thoughts every time. You know, because they have to give the FDA potential side effects sure. on these commercials. You know, and I'm always like, that's not worth the trade off. Yeah, most of, most of the things else. that I hear are like, yeah, I'd rather just have like, you know, irregular heartbeat than like all these things that you're listing so it's fine i'd rather shit constantly than have suicidal thoughts you know i'm good with the suicidal thoughts uh, that sounds like a horrible thing to have um but yeah i i don't know man i i'm i'm stunned that you're like a actual kayaker i can't i wouldn't even know how to like if i wanted to kayak i wouldn't even know how to do that like i don't know where to go i wouldn't know who to talk to I don't know who to pay. Well, is there any like, is there any lakes near you or or any sort of should I know? How body I know of water? Know? Well, that's that's your first thing that you got to figure out. I don't even know if there's a lake near me. Wait, yeah. there is a lake. Near okay, me. Well, that, okay, so that's your first thing you got to find is a lake. Obviously, I've not... seen that lake because I got dragged to that lake by an ex one time because she's like, "Oh, let's go eat by the lake. We'll bring the dogs." <laughs> that sounds so. Like... That sounds like absolutely the last thing in the fucking universe that Joe Lanza wants to do. Well, they're exes for a reason. <laughs> they're exes for a reason. So we go down to this dopey lake. First of all, you had to pay to get into the lake. And I'm like, the fuck is this? You got to pay like this nominal fee to go through like the draw, the fucking gimmick with the thing that comes down. You, you got to pay the guy. And then they open the gate. So you got to pay like, and that's not a lot of money. It was like $2 or something. Yeah, but I'm already annoyed because I got to like look for fucking dollar bills in the car to pay this guy to get into the lake. Then you get to the lake, and it's like eating outside is the pits. <laughs> I cannot stand. The wind is blowing. You know, I'm just trying to throw this burger down my throat, and I got the wind blowing dirt all over the place. The fucking wrapper's blowing away. Then I feel like I got to go get it because I don't want to litter at the lake. So I'm chasing around like the fast food wrapper. You know, the dogs, you got to make sure that they're tied up and secure so they don't run off on you. It's a disaster. I it's love not you guys. <laughs> We're, we're, 
the sun is beating down and I'm like, I'm squinting because I got the deep blue eyes you could fall into. They're very sensitive to the sunlight. It's like, I, I can't, it's awful. It's hot. It's sticky. It's windy. There's dirt. You're, the dogs, you got to worry about them. You got to worry about the litter. Can I just sit inside like a civilized human being <laughs> and eat a fucking meal? Do I, I have just, to eat I just ate my dinner outside uh, before we got on the air here. So. Oh, it's the worst. It's it's terrible. There was an abundance outside. of bees. That was I, I did go in after a little bit. There was a lot of bees. but We have shelter now. We're civilized humans. <laughs> Why are you eating outside if you don't have to? I don't understand it. You know? Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, so she drags me to this lake. Horrible meal. Horrible experience. Then she wants to go in the lake. I'm like, are you out of your fucking – I am not going in that water. So, what? what, what and, like, when we say go in, we're swimming at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you don't strike me as a guy who swims in a lake. I'm not getting in. swims anywhere, really, to be honest. I don't do any natural body of water. Because I don't know what's in there. I don't know what kind of creatures are fucking floating around swimming. I don't know what's under my feet. I got a buddy Did that's exactly ever... like you. My, my buddy, will, well, he'll live in a pool. He'll live in a fucking water park. But the second you're like, hey, you want to go to this river or this lake? He's like, no, hell no. No way. He, let me tell you something. I'll go in a pool if, like, at gunpoint. If you really make me, I'll get in a pool. I'm not a big fan of swimming. I'll go in a pool at gunpoint. Jesus. Yeah. like I, the You pool, are really no fun, Lanza. You know. The pool, I'm not. I have a different kinds of fun. But I'm not completely opposed to a pool. It's clean. There's chlorine. There's not fucking sea creatures fucking swimming around. I'm not going to get bit. <laughs> you don't know what's in these fucking bodies of water, man. I Listen, I don't fuck with the ocean. No way do I fuck with the, o- the ocean. I won't even tough. get on a this, The ocean, the, I, I, I get that. I, I, I totally get the, the ocean thing. I, I but, don't but, know what sort of sea creatures you're planning on seeing in this lake okay, in but Texas. Be, but... They're not going to be sea creatures, but they're going to be lake creatures. You can't tell me. I'm in Texas. You don't know if there's a croc, maybe an alligator. There could be anything in there. You know, I don't, I'm not getting in that water. And did you ever, like, step into lake water? It feels underneath your feet. It's all slimy yeah. mm-hmm. and the mud. And, and <laughs> <I'm> like, <aware>. <laughs> <laughs> things float by and yeah. brush against your foot. Fuck that. I will sit on that bench. You will swim. You will risk it. I don't know what's in there. I don't know if I'm coming back out if I go in there. So I am not fucking gallivanting in a fucking lake. There's no shot. She went in that lake. The dogs went in the lake. And I'm just like, great. Now if one of the dogs swims out too far. She got the little life jacket gimmicks on the dogs. <laughs> I'm like, now if one of the dogs swims out too far, I got to go out there and I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't put the dogs on, on the uh, – because I have no idea what they're going to do or what, how they're going to react. So I, I, I get that. But, yeah, now now Joe Lanz has got to be fucking Baywatch out there. Yeah. Plunging into this lake water to go <laughs> save one of the dogs. Yeah, now, yeah. now I'm Hasselhoff. Basically, I'm Hasselhoff now with the fucking, you know, the swim gimmick on my back, waiting to go out and save a dog. But um, that was a horrible day, and I refused to ever go back. And again, these well, that, that might be where you can real. kayak if, if you do want to kayak. Um, yeah, but the thing is, look, Rich sent me these kayaking photos as we're speaking. Yeah, here. yeah, I'll, I'll put them on a, uh, I'll post them somewhere as well after the show. So now, look, that's a very nice view with the mountain and all, but I can get that same view from the shore. I don't have to be. 
in the, the waters. I don't know what creatures are. You don't know. Well, there could be barracudas. You don't know what's in there. <laughs> there were trout in there. That's all that was in that. That's yeah, you that wanna... The water I was in was glacier water. It was a, uh, you know, the runoff from a, from a mountain. So You're telling me there's no snakes in that water? There was no snakes in the water, I promise. Or eels or anything like <laughs> there that. There wasn't any eels. I can't promise. Whatever fucking bullshit-ass lake you have in Texas, that might have eels and stuff in it. There, I, I can't promise you that. I, I, I don't know for a fact in Texas. I'm, I, I might be a little... I might be a little weary in, in, in Texas, too, of jumping into a lake or a river. So. I can't guarantee there's no alligators or crocodiles in that shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm being serious. You think I'm doing a bit. I, I, w- I would not get in that lake. No, I know your fear of death is is is, is obvious. So, no, that, that, I get that. It, here's the thing. You don't like the muddy, the, 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 your feet get all weird. And, yeah, I get it. Because you, you, we, uh, we'll sometimes do like this. You, you float on a river around here. It's a disgusting river. You would absolutely hate it and never go. But um, you would also hate the other aspect. Because, basically, you get on this river and you just float for, like, five hours and just drink beer and, and bullshit or whatever. The second you step into this water, though, it's just mud and gook. And you're just disgusting afterwards. It's it's nasty as fuck, but I enjoy it. So you probably got the sun beating down. Oh yeah, you. yeah. You're all sunburnt as fuck afterwards. That's yes. my. That's, that's sounds like your my, hell. <laughs> that's one of my many problems with the beach. It's like the sun is beating down on you. Who needs it? There's you sand. Know I, mean? I know. I'm sure you're a guy who looks sounds like he hates sand as well. Oh God, sand is the worst. <laughs> I knew it. When I was a kid, I used to get dragged to the beach because my my grandmother lived down there, down down the shore in New Jersey. Lived right on the beach. So I get dragged down to the beach. Now, I haven't been on a beach probably 20, 25 years maybe. <laughs> but ridiculous. when I used to – I'll never – listen, if it's Poor up to TLB. me, if it's up to me, I'll never step on a beach again. If it's up to me, there's no reason for me to be on a beach. I'm not going in the ocean. I, listen, I don't fuck with the ocean. I told you that. You can't tell me. Now, you're mocking me about the lake. You can't tell me there's not creatures in the ocean. Oh, no, there are absolutely creatures in the ocean. I still go in oceans, but I'm always fearful the entire time I'm in there. So. Jellyfish and sharks and everything. Yeah, I got hit else. by it last time I was in South Carolina. Was, uh, uh, there were a bunch of waves coming by and stuff, and I was just trying to you know do do like a little bit of like body surfing or something like that, and a fucking jellyfish like slapped me in the side of the face. I was just like, what the fuck? I had to go that out for a little hurts. bit. Yeah, it didn't sting me, thankfully, but I had to get out for a little bit and be like, okay, that was that was strange. I got uh, I to gotta, I gotta reassess whether I want to get back in this water. I did get back in the water, but that was definitely a... I've been stung by those things. Yeah, they're yeah. fucking terrible. Yeah, dude. I, I, at one time, it's done to me, and I'm not a big fan. So, yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, but the sand is awful. You, you, you find sand on your body a week later, no matter how many showers you take. There's still like grains of sand, like in your hair or like in your ear or fucking up your ass crack. It's the worst. I can't, I can't do it. So yeah, the beach is my yeah. If there is a hell. And hell exists, and it's like the worst place you can fathom. It'd be a beach for me. Like if I'm going to hell, which I probably am, if that exists, it will be a beach, and I will spend eternity on a beach. <laughs> that and that would be my personal. Hell. <laughs> that would be my heaven. So this is we, we, we you know we on should... like a 98 degree day, you know, <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Well, we we, we we like similar wrestling, but I think in terms of our uh, our, our outside of wrestling lives, yeah, we definitely lead uh, <laughs> dramatically different lives, but. Sunburn and everything else. There's so many. Here's the way I assess things in life. What is my pleasure to risk ratio? Right? So the lake presents many risks. I can drown. I can be attacked by a creature. I can, you know, catch a disease. I can fall in the water and be wet for the rest of the day. There's a lot of risk involved in going in a lake. What's the pleasure? Really not much. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm on a boat, right? Like, so it's like the risk outweighs the pleasure. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're something else. 
that's how I, I, I that's my risk assessment. Like, what's the pleasure to risk sliding scale? And when the risk is higher than the pleasure, then I, you know, I, I like going places. I just like being indoors. That's all. Take me to a nice, <laughs> take me to a nice resort or a casino or you know somewhere where I can sit back. So you want to go to a resort, but you don't want to go to the beach at this resort. I'd spend all if it's a nice room. I'll spend all day in the room. I had <laughs> something else. I had one ex. Are Look, you at least are you at least sitting on the fucking patio or are you just like on the couch watching a game? I had one ex who got smart to it and when she'd book the vacations, she'd get real shitty rooms. You know, like smart. she'd book yeah, she'd start booking like the Motel Six or like, you know, some a shitty road, rooms. a little roadway in or something like that. Yeah, to guarantee like something with like a, a box TV with just an antenna. <laughs> And, like, no amenities whatsoever. You know what I mean? Because that way she knew she it was easier to get me out of the room. Because otherwise, you know, these nice resort hotels. You know what I mean? Like, why, why would I ever want to leave? Like, they have everything I need. <laughs> they got go. restaurants. The, the reason you go to the is- resort is to go out and do stuff and hang out at the beach. Or hang out, like, you're ridiculous. No, these resorts are beautiful. They got things to do inside the resort now. It, it's it's. It, I'm not even just talking about the room. Like, they got everything you need inside the resort. You know, you get you, you, you get beautiful restaurants and nice meals, and I'm eating lunch and I'm preparing for dinner. Like as soon as the lunch is over, like all right, now where am I going to eat dinner? You know, that's the kind of shit I like to do. Like you're not going to catch me dead, but you probably I probably would die because I'm not good in the outdoors, like hiking or something. These people they go hiking. What about <laughs> mountain lions and fucking cougars and shit like that? You're yeah, we, about we that? saw we saw bear. Uh, we saw bear the, the other it's time. Fucking bears. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not down with the bears. I I don't like the. That was when we were in a. Uh... When we were in Yellowstone, Grand Teton, or whatever, uh, there was like people that we were walking with or, or nearby, and they were like, "Oh, I think there's a bear over here. I heard that there's a bear over here." And I'm like, "All right, cool. I don't want to go to the bear." Like, and they're like, yeah. "We're gonna go see the bear." And I'm like, I, "I don't want to see the bear. I'll go where the bear's not. Like, I, I don't want to be like I, I'm fine with like being outdoors and hiking and doing all that sort of stuff, but I don't want to go next to a bear because like, no you know, there's and there and everywhere you go, there's like a list of oh, when you see a bear, here's what you do, and it's like I'm gonna forget all this stuff and just run away, and it's like." The last thing you want to do is run away because then it chases after you. Ah, listen, yeah. But that's the first thing I'm going to do if I see a fucking bear is run. I don't want to get mauled by a bear. Who wants to get mauled by a bear? It doesn't sound very I'm prepared for that. You know, I'm not carrying a weapon. Get gored by a bison. Possible. I just saw some guy got gored by an elk. Yeah. See that story? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what you get for hiking. (laughs) You know? You get for going outside. My sympathy is limited. I mean, you go hiking, you you might get gored by an elk. Yeah, you know, you can't. The elk, I can't blame the elk. The fuck you doing on his fucking trail? That's where the elk lives. This is the way I look at it. How can I blame that elk when you're invading on his space? If a fucking wild animal comes in my house, I might have to kill it, right? Because this is my space. You go out where the elk lives, I don't blame the elk for goring you. He doesn't know what you're up to. How does he know you're not a hunter or a predator? You know, he's got every right to defend his turf. I got limited sympathy if you get gored by an elk. I don't think you belong out there. Same thing on these lakes. You know, an eel or a snake. That's their territory. They live in the water. You're very scared of eels. I don't think I've ever encountered an eel in the wild. But No? No, but I don't I don't go to, you know, I don't go to the American South very often, so. I don't think, no, eels aren't a southern thing, are they? I'm not sure, actually. There's eels in the ocean, too. The oceans have eels. All right, so let's <laughs> 30 Some minutes of, of sting of Joe's outdoors talks. So that's good. We got to we got to get you. That that's a that's a series too. We got a little Patreon series where Joe goes to a lake <laughs> to hang Do out. You, 
I burn. Do you realize how pale I am? You've met me. Yeah, I, yeah, you're pretty pale. I just thought that was because it was the winter, but I, I imagine that's probably what you look like all no, years. No, no, no. TLB, okay. She had her, her birthday was the other day. She had a, ah, and all these broads. Well, happy birthday out. to TLB and her brother. So, yeah, so. and they all went out. <laughs> okay, so, Michael P.S. Hayes. One of them never met me. Right? And she comes in the house and she said out loud that I was the palest person she's ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, and you are Italian too, so you you have like a leg up potentially, and and you just fail. It's the Irish part. I got mm, the Irish skin. Yeah, I got okay. pale Irish skin. Yeah. You know, that's the Irish sinking in. But I didn't get the Italian complexion. I got because do you burn immediately if you go outside? I burn immediately. Okay, like like, like ten ten minutes outside, you come back in, you're fucking burnt to a crisp. Rich, there's times where I can just drive somewhere, and that arm is burnt. Okay, like yeah. Like, if I drive for, like, an hour, I go on a long drive, that arm, the one next to the window, is burnt at the end of the drive. It's horrible. So that's the other factor, too. You know, I, I don't like, you know, the sun is not my friend. It has never been my friend and will never be my friend. I'm a, I am like the night. I'm a man of the night. All right. So let's get, you are. I mean, undeniably, you're a man of the night. The other night, it was, um, I forget what happened. Maybe Monday or Tuesday or whatever. Literally, I woke up and you had just posted something. <laughs> oh no, the Monday, the it was the Monday uh, news update that you did on uh, yeah. on, on voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. So I wake up and I see you posting it, and it says one minute Joe Lanza like posts it. Like yeah. it was literally, I woke up as you went to bed immediately, and it's just like that's how it goes. Because we hear people yeah. always time they're like, oh, you guys should do this series, or like you guys should do this, and I'm like, look, Joe and I leave very different lives. So, like when Joe goes to bed, I wake up. It is very yeah. difficult for us to, to to meet up at a certain time period at any time. Uh, during the week, but uh, yeah, you were you were definitely a man of the night. So, yeah, I go to bed like four thirty or five, and then I'm up at like usually ten or eleven. I don't sleep all day. I, I like I'm up between like nine thirty and eleven most days. I don't sleep a lot. I don't know. Sleep is like mini death. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big sleep you know? guy either. You know, and it's I go to bed like... early, but I wake up early as fuck too. So it's just like, yeah, I I, I hate sleep. Yeah, I'm but... never tired. I mean, I, I sleep maybe four or five hours a night. But yeah, like... I'm, I'm about five six at most. You know what it is? Like one – here's what happens though. There's like one day a month where just I sleep like 12 hours because it catches up to me. Like – and I just – I'm just dead tired at like 10 o'clock at night and I go to bed and I don't wake up until like 10 or 11 the next morning. Yeah, so I'll yeah. Sleep it's like the thing where your body doesn't even wake itself up. Like I remember uh, yeah. many a weekend that happened myself and, and Sean Flynn who – he was just on the Music of the Matt podcast uh, doing uh, uh, SummerSlam. But yeah, we were we, – we traveled together and – the first night when we met you, we had literally been up for like 26 straight hours. The next day we wake up, we're going to shows, we're doing this, we're boom, boom, boom. We're all over the place, we're doing whatever. Uh, we're supposed to wake up for Orange Cassidy's fucking Squeeze Fest or whatever the hell it was called. What the hell was that show called? Freshly Squeezed, Fre- wasn't it? I don't oh, know. No, no, it was yeah. called, uh, I don't know, Orange Cassidy's Dopey Meme Fest. <laughs> dopey Meme Orange Related Festival yeah. Show thing or whatever. Uh, so that show was at like 10 a.m. And we're like, all right, cool, that's fine, we'll wake up. So... You know, we're, we're about to go to bed, and Sean's like, hey, do you want me to set an alarm? And I'm like, no, dude, I wake up no matter what at, like, 8 or 9 or whatever. We'll be fine. I wake up. Uh, you know, I'm kind of rustling a little bit. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, so I get up. I, you know, I, I, I go, you know, take a shower. I get out of the shower. I look. It's 1.30. Wow. And I was like, holy fuck. All right, well, I guess that was my body literally being like, no, I'm just going to let you need to sleep, sir. I'm going to shut your body down for, you know, 11 hours, and you can't get up or whatever. So, yeah, that that we missed uh, – Orange Cassidy's Squeeze Fest 2K nah, wasn't it? 19 it was, or whatever the fuck it was. So. I think it was Orange Cassidy, this is a pro wrestling show or something. Like it was some kind of like 
title like that where it was like something he would say. Like it was like a like this blase like uh, look it up now because now I'm annoyed. Now yeah yeah yeah. Of- oh, it's like yeah yeah. Orange Cassidy is doing something. Okay. Or whatever. Yeah, is doing yeah. something or whatever. Who knows? Was the name of the show. That so. was the name of the show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Saturday, April 6th at 12 p.m. Yeah, we, we definitely missed that show by a lot. I'm sure yeah. it was terrible. So. <laughs> I know it was, yeah. Instead, we just slept and hung out in a pool indoors and then went to the fucking Madison Square Garden to watch New Japan for Wrestling put on a tremendous show. So There you go. Much better way to, to spend the day. So, All right, so let's talk about wrestling here. That, that was our transition into wrestling. Um, before we get into kind of – we're going to talk all out. <laughs> Man. Terrible, terrible. Uh, Summer Struggle in Jingu. Uh, payback, Brock, Morrow, Gabe Spolsky, a lot of other stuff to go on uh, and talk about. We do have to talk about some some unfortunate news that have come up this week. A, a pretty bad uh, few days in wrestling. We'll start uh, with the death of uh, Bullet Bomb Armstrong, which actually happened right as we stopped the show uh, last week. Literally, we stopped hitting record and then heard that Bullet Bob was going to come on, and we had some people say, oh, "Are you going to do like an instant reaction?" Or are you going to? And it's like, it's Bullet Bob Armstrong, like. <laughs> Like no, I'm gonna go to bed, man. It's fine. Like it's bullet Bob. We can we can wait a week, but uh, this is our week, so let's. Any memories I don't think of, I, uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do an instant reaction about anyone's death. No, I mean, no, I, no. I mean, what? That's kind of like, I'm not rushing to, uh, you know, uh, record some fresh audio to to be the first to talk about a man dying. I mean, so so no, the instant reaction for for Bullet Bob's death was definitely not on the table, or for anyone's death. Um, you know you. you you wait and you do it on the next show. You know, you, you, you do it right. You know, I'm not trying to shake money out of people to uh, give Bob Armstrong's obituary, but, um, but yeah, Bob Armstrong, um, how old was he? He was, he had bone cancer. I think, I think he was 80, obviously um, one of the biggest territory baby faces of that era. You know, whether you're talking about, um, you know, Georgia and then, of course, later on in, in Alabama and he Tennessee. Was, he was 80. He was 80, by the way. So, Yeah. So, um, you know, a fixture in Georgia throughout the late 60s and uh, through the, the early and mid-70s. And then, of course, Alabama and Tennessee, even some Florida sprinkled in there uh, for good measure. And uh, just basically – and then even, you know, into the 90s mm-hmm. in Smoky Mountain, really – so, you know, you can go right through to the mid-90s when he was still uh, super relevant in, in pro wrestling, um, you know, and, and, and a money-drawing figure. And just really just your ideal Southern babyface in a lot of ways. A uh, great promo guy, a tremendous promo guy, uh, great in angles, you know, everything you want out of a big territory star. Of course, he had the four sons. You know, you got, uh, you got Brian Armstrong, Road Dogg, of course, probably the biggest star out of the four sons and um, uh, Brad Armstrong, probably the best worker I would say of the four who, who actually died a few years ago. Yeah. He had a heart um, attack. I want to say right. 20, yeah, 2012, couple, 2012, I believe is man, that was eight years ago already. Yeah, I know we talked, I think we talked about it on the show yeah. too, when it happened. Yeah. But uh, Brad Armstrong, probably the best uh, wrestler. Yeah. Oh, definitely a guy. Anytime I've watched Brad Armstrong, the thing that, that really gets me more than anything is, is probably ahead of his time in a lot of ways. If he, you know, was 10 years younger or whatever, was coming up in the two thousands, 
I think it's a guy who was like a no doubt, like one of the stars of, uh, of wrestling. That's era that he came in. He, he just wasn't, you know, he didn't have the size. He didn't have maybe all the way the charisma, the talking ability, all that sort of stuff didn't quite all come together. And it caused, you know, WCW to have to every single year say, okay, well, now you're uh, the Candyman. Okay, now you're Arachnid or whatever the fuck he was. And okay, now you're uh, Buzzkill. You're, you're this. You know, he, he had to get a new gimmick every single year because they were just trying to cover up the fact that he, he wasn't a good talker. But yeah, tremendous, tremendous worker. Yeah, dude, that definitely, I think, had been born 10 years later. Would, would, would have been a star for sure. Arachnid? How dare you besmirch Arachnid? <laughs> right. <laughs> the dollar store. What is? It, what was it? Yellow. It was yellow and purple Spider-Man outfit, right? Yeah. Ugh, he was yeah. Arachnaman, Bad Street, Fantasia. Uh, I think you mentioned the Candyman, Buzzkill during the Nitro era. Um, yeah, went through a lot of different identity, but yeah, just a solid wrestler, a real solid, really. Yeah. Oh, really, really good. Excellent wrestler, lacking some charisma. Couldn't talk, um, but probably the best worker out of the Suns. I, I think everyone would agree that Brian Armstrong was the biggest star. Out yeah, of yeah. Pr- Proto Kenny Omega too. Uh, Brad Armstrong. You look at like Brad Armstrong in like 1992, and he's a fucking dead ringer for Kenny Omega. <laughs> like same hair, beard. It's 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 uncanny. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, and then um, never really thought about that. But he, he does kind of look like him. There's certain pictures where you see and you're like, holy fuck, that guy's like. That you think it's Kenny Omega, like playing in like a. You, you feel like it's like him doing like some stum shtick or whatever. You know how like WWE had their dumb, uh, what was it Southpaw Championship Wrestling or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Fred Armstrong looks like Kenny Omega doing a Southpaw Championship Wrestling thing. Yeah, I could kind of see it. I never thought about that, but you know. Once you wrong. see it, you'll never be able to unsee it. So enjoy. And uh, Steve Armstrong, who I mean, Steve Armstrong was a really good wrestler too. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, I think he kind of gets sold short. But, um, you know, his, his probably biggest claim to fame was teaming with Tracy Smothers as, uh, as, as the Southern boys, both in, well, in Continental and then later in WCW. Um, I think they probably went to uh, some other places um, as the Southern boys, too. I think they uh, maybe even went to New Japan doing that uh, gimmick for a couple of years there. And that's the thing with Steve Armstrong, though, is he kind of gets forgotten because he didn't really have the – he had a very brief – WWF run as Lance Cassidy. I don't even know if you remember that. I do, yeah, yeah. But um, that didn't last. And then, you know, by the time the Attitude Era came around, like Brad Armstrong was still around. Obviously, Road Dog was a huge star. Steve's career was winding down. He teamed with um, the the fourth brother, uh, Scott, but they were a jabroni team. and They were an underneath team in WCW. They mostly worked WCW Saturday Night and WCW Pro. And when they worked Nitro, they were usually just used as a job team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so, how, that's my first, you know, awareness of the Armstrong brothers. Not, no, not of course, not you know. When I started watching wrestling, I had no idea that the Road yeah. Dog was you know part of the of the of the right. unit. But yeah, I remember them from Saturday Night, just job duty, or, or yeah, worldwide. They were on worldwide every single week when I would watch or whatever. And and occasionally they'd pop up on Nitro, and yeah, they'd lose to you know Raven and Canyon or some shit like that. You know, it was it was you know they lose to Saturday and Raven or something. You know, they were just there to just get beaten. Steven Scott, yeah, and, and but but Steve had a really good career before that. I mean, the the, the Southern Boys um, made their way to WCW eventually in the early '90s, and then they changed their name to the Young Pistols. Yeah, Young Pistols as well. And 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 they were a, that they were a really great team in that era in the early '90s. Oh, there's some really good matches. I think what, what is it? Um, let's see. 90-91, There's a lot of really good matches. Like you'll you'll if you pop up any WCW pay per view around that era, 
they're probably in the opener or the second match or whatever. They're probably going for the U.S. tag team titles. And more times than not, if you watch a Young Pistols Southern Boys match against whoever, it's probably really fucking good. And they were almost always really good. Like those matches, I know they had ones against the Rock and Rolls. I know they had a few again. Yeah, just they they were every single month. It felt like they were having just great pay per view matches. Yeah, so I think Steve gets sold short a little because mm. by the time the Nitro, the Nitro era rolled around, he was a job guy. Um, he was really a job guy from Lance Cassidy, from the Lance Cassidy. Yeah, from ninety three, really. pretty much for the rest of his career, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they all, all the Armstrong, a lot, well, a bunch of the Armstrong boys made their way through Smoky Mountain and they would get pushed and whatnot. But you know, outside of that, they were basically job guys. Uh, he was a job guy from you know the Lance Cassidy era, and then when he came back, but and Scott and. Uh, uh, the fourth brother um, is still with WWE as a referee. That's uh, why, why is my that's name Scott. So, that's Scott, Scott Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's who Steve's teamed with in, in the Nitro era, and he was probably you know he was the he was never a star really anywhere. Um, his biggest push, Scott Armstrong, unless he had one early in his career that I just I'm not aware of, um, would probably be in Smoky Mountain as Dixie Dynamite because um, he got a strong push under a mask as Dixie Dynamite. And then I think the deal was, uh, actually, and this is how we work uh, Bullet Bob back in, is they did a big angle where Cornette teased. He basically, like, it was one of those deals where everyone knew it was Scott Armstrong, but he wouldn't admit it, you know. But then Cornette got him to admit it by saying, you're only wearing that mask because you're ashamed of your old man and, you know, that kind of deal. And then he tore the mask off and attacked Cornette or whatever. Um at least the way I remember it. But, you know, that's probably, that may have been the biggest push of his life. Of the, of the four brothers, he was, you know, he just didn't have the charisma, the size. They were all good workers, though. They were all really good workers. Um, but I think Bob trained all four of them. And, you know, as far as Bob goes, I mean, you know the story of how he got the name The Bullet to begin with, right? I mean, that's a famous story. He... He was lifting weights and the weight bench fell on his face and legitimately ripped off his nose. Like the, his nose got ripped off of his face Yeah, yeah. In a, in a gym accident. So he's going through to get it fixed and he was wearing a mask at that time and calling himself the bullet, you know, while wearing the mask while he was going through all these surgeries to put his face back together. And then that's how the name, the bullet stuck. So, uh, and then later in his career, like they he would do the bullet gimmick whenever he'd like would lose a loser leave town match or, you know, doing like a, a mystery opponent. Gimmick right. Right. Very similar to like the Mr. America gimmick or whatever, the super machines or whatever like that. It was like, everybody knew was, you know, it was Bob Armstrong, Bob but he'd Arm, come yeah. as, 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 you know, he'd come as the bullets or whatever. And it'd be like, Oh, you know, and he would say, Oh, I don't know. I don't know Bob Armstrong. You know, what are you talking about? And it, everybody knew, but that was the, that was the gimmick is that everybody knew, but the heels would insist it was him. Yeah. And the <laughs> commentators would play dumb, you know, Oh, well you can't prove that, you know, uh, you know, the Yellow Dog was another one that was like that. Pillman and, and Barry Windham in Florida. What was uh, uh, JYD's? He had one too, right? Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee, that's it. A great name. Yeah. That's a good gimmick. You know, I, I think that AEW might be doing that with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara this weekend. <sighs> Dude, I was, I was actually, honestly, I, was, I put that in my notes to say that yeah. one of these men is leaving and coming back in a mask for sure. <laughs> like, you know, and if that wasn't going to happen after this week now, after this news, it's, it's definitely going to happen. So, um, yeah, so, you know, that's how he got the name The Bullet. And then, you know, like I said, a mainstay in Georgia. 
and then in all the different incarnations of whatever you want to call Continental battling the Fullers. It was always the Armstrongs versus the Fullers, whether it was you want to call it Southeast or, or, or Continental Wrestling Federation or Continental Championship Wrestling, whatever name they were going under during whatever period. You know, Bob Armstrong was was a mainstay there battling with the Fullers. I know that uh, the Studcast did an hour podcast, and I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to when we're done, you know, talking about uh, Bob Armstrong, uh, Bullet Bob's life and, 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 and sort of the Fuller's wars with him through the years and all that. So I'm going to make sure I listen to that. That's uh, Ron Fuller. It is Ron, right? Not Rob, who does the stud cast. You, you know, honestly, I've uh, never actually listened to it, so you probably know more than I would, but it sounds like Ron I should Fuller. watch it for sure. Uh, it's, uh, it, I, say. I think it's Ron Fuller that hosts the stud cast. Uh, Ron Fuller, Rob Fuller. And, and I've always said that, you know, it's like I always have preferred Continental to Memphis, and it really comes down to, in my opinion, whether you prefer the Armstrongs and the Fullers or the Lawlers and the Dundees. That's always how I've drawn mm-hmm. the line between those two. And I always, I just prefer the wrestling style and the booking style of the Armstrongs and the Fullers yeah. to the Lawlers and the Dundees. I'm with I you. Just, I, I agree. I did, I did a lot of, of, of you know, I, I kind of asked people, hey, what are some Bullet Bob stuff to watch? And pretty much over the last two days, I've just watched as much as I could because I, I, I can't say that I'm super familiar uh, with a lot of his work and and, and yeah I, I i basically just hit play on videos and let him play and let him play and bounce me all over the place and and stuff and yeah the continental stuff was like it always just anytime i watch it and and, and you know like i would text you back in the day when i would like yeah. watch continental stuff and be like joe i need more like tell me what like anytime i watch it i get hooked and i just want to watch so much more one of these days i needed to just like sit down and just watch as much as i possibly can of, of continental because it always it always clicks with me for whatever reason it just it just lands with me every time yeah i mean they're similar territories you know, Continental and Memphis, it's just Continental has a little bit more of a serious edge. And, you know, they did some goofy stuff too, don't get me wrong. But, uh, and, and Memphis leaned more, lean, Memphis was definitely wilder for sure. Wilder angles and, and, and some more silliness and some of it landed and some didn't, especially later on in years with, with Memphis. Uh, when you got into the 80s, it got really silly at times um, into the mid, you know, the mid to late 80s. But um, but I always preferred the Fullers and the Arm, you know, the Fullers and the Goldens and the Armstrongs, you know, the Golden, you know, Jimmy Golden, you know, the cousins of the Armstrongs. He later become Bunkhouse Buck. Um, you know the you know uh, the Welch family and the and the, uh, the Welches, the Fullers, the uh, the 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 uh, and the Armstrongs. So um, that's why I always preferred it uh, to Memphis and Bob Armstrong is obviously a big part of that. Uh, mega baby face, great promos, always great in an angle. Um, you know, and, and he tra- I think he trained all four of his sons. And, uh, yeah, a legitimate star right through to the mid-90s. You know, he did the commissioner gimmick in Smoky Mountain, but, you know, he wrestled plenty of times too. And uh, I think he was wrestling right up until a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Fantastic shape. And, you know, he was still doing indies. And a guy is just, like I said, the prototype Southern Territory babyface. Was what Bob Armstrong was. Yeah, there, there was that. Uh, there's a great piece on, on the Ringer uh, about Bullet Bob, and and I think you know the, the author summed it up perfectly in the, in the first sentence that he said is is that Bullet Bob had a and you get this when you watch any of his videos, you watch any of the matches, you watch any of the promos, and the promos are just as interesting as, as the matches themselves, and the the pre match promos and the post match promos and all that sort of stuff. And, and and what the author said was just that like Bob Armstrong reminded you of like a guy that lives in the neighborhood that works on cars type of guy. You know, he's strong as fuck. Like, you remember, he was a good high school athlete. He hung around the town. He never left. And now he just, like, works on cars in his driveway. 
And every time you yeah. walk by, he waves. Hey, how's it going, Bob? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's wiping, you know, he gets up from under the car, wipes his feet, hands off and goes, hey, how's it going? Like, that's what he was. Like, he's, he's, he always kind of looked like a dad, but like in a good, like in a, in a dad that can kick your ass type of way. Yeah. You know, not in a bad way. Like in an old, like we always talk about it, like the, the, the old strong that like a lot of these territory guys ended up looking like, like, yeah, they looked a little, they weren't in like tremendous shape. They didn't have bulging muscles or whatever, but Bull Bob looked like he could fuck you up if you wanted to. He didn't want to. <laughs> But if he had to teach you a lesson, he would, and he'd fuck you up. So, yeah, it's just a shame that like Brian was the only one that really got his charisma. You know, the other three brothers didn't really get the charisma. Not at all. No, of God, Bob. Jesus. You no know, way. And it's, <laughs> and that's really. You know, I don't think. You know, I think I don't think Scott would have been a star either way. I just think, you know, a good solid guy to have on your undercard or whatever. But the other two, man, if they just if 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 Brad and Steve had a, a fraction of their father's charisma or, or Brian's charisma, I think they could have been big stars, you know, and they were, they, it's not like they had bad careers. I mean, they had very solid careers, you know, especially Brad, you know, he wrestled, he was probably, uh, you know, in major league promote for what, 20 straight years. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to go uh, yeah, mid eighties until yeah. <laughs> basically the late nineties. He was, he was still, you know, important part of a lot you of know, companies. So. so, uh, you know, but, uh, but, but, and I think Bob's wife had died recently as well. So I think the mother, you had Brad died in 2012. I think the mother died recently, and then uh, and then Bob passing away last week. So, um, you know, uh, not a great couple of years for the three remaining brothers. Um, so, yeah, Bob Armstrong, great career. I highly recommend. I mean, his promos are all great. The angles are great. Um, you know, he wrestled with a ton of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in it's uh, it, the problem with you know he's one of these guys where a lot of the places he worked the the the, the footage is a little scarce though you know so you got to dig a little yeah the problem that I was running into is like I get into like he, he and watch a video and he cut a promo about oh I'm gonna face this guy on this week or whatever I'm like oh hell yeah and I look for it and I can't find it you know what I mean like, yeah, yeah. You're like god yeah. damn it because he's trying to talk you into a building you know he's trying to talk you into you know yeah. in Pensacola on Saturday the 18th I'm gonna fan I'm like oh man all right let's go but it's like that doesn't exist that's not on TV like you gotta go to Pensacola to see that you know yeah. buy a ticket you asshole and I'm like ah oh, man like that's we talk about it during our deep dives like a lot of the stuff is building two live events and not building to TV. It's a completely different wrestling world. So you get into it, you get invested in a story by watching old TV, but then you realize that you can't watch it. Or if you can watch it, it's some horrendous quality fan cam tape or whatever. And it's just, it's not the same. It just doesn't work. Yeah. 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 And and he did, he did the bullet gimmick with the mask. I mean, even as late as TNA, you know, with Jeff Jarrett, they did an angle, you know, with, with, Jarrett's incensed because he knows this man is Bob Armstrong, you know, but, um, you know, and they, 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 he repeated that angle many times. I mean, he did it with the Fullers and who knows how many other times throughout his career. Uh, Midnight Rider is another example of that. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 of course. That's, you know, in 80, was that 85 or 86 or something like that, whatever year that was. That's a classic staple. Uh, pro wrestling angle. Didn't Hogan do it as Mr. America? Uh, yeah, like, I mentioned I him a little bit earlier. Yeah, Mr. Oh, America. Did. That yeah. was yeah, it was, that's the one that most people probably listening are aware of and remember. Where it's like you know the Fu Manchu's hanging out. He's coming out, you know, real American, and and Vince McMahon's like, come on, that's Hulk Hogan. And they're like, I right, prove it, but it's like, you know. Yeah, 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 and they you know in the eighties a lot of WWF did a lot with the machine, you know, Piper machine and Hulk machine, and you know they would do it with the machine gimmick. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wrestling staple, but um. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, one of the go-to angles uh, 
with Bob Armstrong for for many years. And then uh, some other unfortunate news we have to talk about. This came uh, just a few days ago, or actually just yesterday, I believe. Uh, Squared Circle Sirens website, uh, women's wrestling website. Uh, the founder of the website and uh, someone that we frequently have you know interacted with on Twitter a bunch. One of the, the one of the top like I'd say women's wrestling advocates. Like I don't know that there's anybody that enjoyed women's wrestling uh, as much as Casey Michael did. And Casey Michael passed away at 26. That's just I mean. Nobody should die at 26. I, I, I think back to what I was doing when I was 26 and being like, Matt, if my life ended then, no, yeah. you know, it's just fucking terrible. There's nobody it's, deserves to die at 26. You haven't and, lived any life. I mean, you're a child at 26. Yeah. And, and, and knowing, you know, the issues that he had had for, for years, I mean, as long as we were doing the site and as long as he was, uh, you, you know, interacting with us and, and, and running, you know, his sites or whatever, it, it seemed like he had always had issues. I know like a year ago, like I think he said it like half his intestines had to get taken out and stuff. And it was just like, God damn. Like even, even at 26, he's the life that he led was just not fair for the last few years. It was just one thing after another. It seemed constant health issues was, didn't hide them at all. No, no. In and out of the hospital constantly. Um, you know, just terrible, a lot of suffering going on, but, um, he'd get a real kick out of it when, cause you know, we'd bring him up from time to time on the flagship bad boy, Casey. Myers. Yeah. 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 If you ever heard us say bad boy, Casey, which is not even his Twitter name anymore. That was his Twitter name no. from like five years ago or whatever. But yeah, that's the one we'd bring up all the time. But he would pop for that. You know, we call him bad boy, Casey Michaels. And for years I'd say Michaels and say the last name wrong. Cause I didn't even, I thought it was Michaels, not Michael, you know? And, uh, I remember when I finally figured out that that wasn't his last name. I, I, I told him, I was like, I was like, hey, man, I've been saying I've been saying bad boy Casey Michaels for like four years. And he was just like he just laughed. and was like, ah, I don't care. I, it doesn't matter. To when, me. when you're when you're a wrestling it's, fan and your last name is Michael, you pretty much have to assume that people are going to make it Michaels. You, you know what I mean? Like whether they want to or not. Like, yeah. So whenever he'd have a big scoop and we'd use it on the flagship, we would we would refer to, to the bad boy Casey Michaels. And the thing is, he always had big scoops, you know, and and Dude, do you, you remember know, the tryout like. People would be scrambling, oh, who's trying out? And boom, 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 here'd be an 18-tweet thread from Casey telling you every single person that was trying out and their background. And it was just like, holy fuck, like, how do you know this? That's what I was going to say. You know, everyone's talking about, obviously, his passion was women's wrestling. And he was on top of the women's scene and always had the women's scoops before anybody else because he was friends with all of them. You know, he forged those relationships and they trusted him. So he, he was on top of that and that was his passion, but it wasn't just women's wrestling with, you know, and, and, you know, like Rich just mentioned, Casey always had the WWE tryout stuff before anyone else. Yeah. There'd be, and, I remember the, the, people would say, oh, there is a tryout today. We know this name and they'd add, Chelsea Green. They'd say, oh, we know Chelsea Green's going to be there. And as people are scrambling to figure out whoever in the middle of the day, here comes Casey with a, yeah, a 16, you know, tweet thread with literally every single person that walked through the door the entire day and their background pictures, credentials, backgrounds, everything on top of it. So it wasn't just women's wrestling, even though that was clearly his passion. And that was, uh, you know, the squared circle sirens website and everything else. And women's wrestling advocate, uh, could be very acerbic on Twitter, which I can respect and which I understand because I can be very acerbic on Twitter. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and the, the funny thing is he would always successfully troll people with the cancel men's wrestling thing, which was obviously a bit, but it would always troll like just the right people. Like it would work up 
you know, all the all the goons. Yeah, a lot of goons and randos and stuff. People that yeah. don't even fucking matter. People that don't are never going to follow him or never going to go to his yeah. website or whatever. Just the, the yeah. weirdos that we always talk about. That it's like, you don't matter. Why are we arguing with you? You don't matter. You're not going to listen to our show. Just go away. Like, And he would lean into that bit, yeah. you know, and, and, and work people up. And, um, yeah, you, you know, really so, don't want any men to ever wrestle again. How's that going to work? And, he's, you know. and he would say, yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> that suck. Women are better abolish, wrestlers. Abolish yeah. men's wrestling. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. And then that would make them matter, you know, and, and, and yeah. he would just get you people mad. You can't do that. that. <laughs> there needs to be some yeah. men's wrestlers. He said, no, there doesn't. And like it wouldn't end. Like you know, you could right. tell that he was just like you know, he tweeted out, and nobody cared. You know what I mean? Like, like he gave. He was just like you know, he thought it was hilarious. You, you know, he would say, no, no, there doesn't need to be mad. But like, yeah, there does. No, they don't. It was it was a it was a bi monthly quality troll. Yeah, it, it was, was a very good troll. It would work every time, um, and it would get under people's skin. So, um, yeah, but I mean, it, it, you know, it leaves a gaping hole. Obviously, you know in. You know, we just had Larry Zonka a few months ago, yeah. and and these are people who just, you know, did a good job and and filled important niches. I mean, Larry reviewing everything under the sun, Casey Michael being on top of the women's wrestling scene like nobody else before um, has ever been. I mean, again, it's just forging those relationships, going to all those FCW shows years ago, and and uh, and meeting all of these women who would then go on to become you know, uh, big television stars and, and gaining their trust. Yeah, and then... and it, the name would get passed down, obviously. I mean, yeah, yes. he was, you know, he made, he forged relationships with people four generations ago, but you know, a summer Ray would tell, you know, Chelsea green. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's cool. Like, you know, you talk to him. Like, he's, you know what I mean? Like that's where I just, just random names, obviously. That's how you do it. Yeah. And you know, and then, and then if you're fair in what you're reporting and in your coverage, you know, people trust you. Yeah. So as long as you're not evil, yeah. Uh, not even least, though. That's well. I mean, again, if you're bearing <laughs> your coverage, you know, that's the thing. He he could he could have he could be very acerbic. He can be he, he you know he ha, he wasn't always you know uh, he didn't sugarcoat anything. If he didn't like somebody or had something negative to say, he would say it. And I, I look, I can respect. No, that. absolutely, I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't have to be Edward R. Murrow. You don't have to call it down the middle. I mean, it, you could. You can you can have your own distinctive style. Look, there's a look, there's a place for John Pollock, and there's a place for Casey Michael. That's really what it comes down to. You know what I mean? It's like you need all of that. You need all of those different kinds of personalities and people covering things in, in certain ways. And you know, there was there was nothing wrong with just being blunt and telling it like it is. Because if Casey liked someone and and wanted to get behind someone, there was no bigger advocate. But if Casey didn't like you, there was usually a good reason, and and you know the the coverage would reflect that, and he would not hold back. So, um, you know, and and I I am far be it from me to be critical of that. I I can't <laughs> because I'm a, a very similar in a lot of ways to that style. So, um, you know, it's uh, but I mean, you know, forget wrestling. Twenty six years old. I guess it's crazy. You know, it's like you said before. You haven't even lived life yet. And I know some of our younger listeners that are around that age or younger, and they don't understand you yet, haven't but done they shit. Will. Yeah, you haven't done but, shit in your life. Your life has been meaningless I mean, so far. I'm, I don't know if I'd put it as mean as Rich No, I'm right just now. saying. You know what I mean? Like, you go and look back, and you realize, like, at the time you think, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then you, re- you know, you go five years in the future, and you're like, god damn, I did a lot in those last five years, you know? like It's just such a short period of time, yeah. 26 years, and it's – it's it's so little of that as adulthood 
you know, I mean, it, it, and and it's just, it, and he's going to miss out on so much, and that's that's really what makes you think and makes you reflect, yeah. you know, and it could it can it could end at any moment for any of us, and it's it's uh, that listen, that's why I don't go in lakes, you know, it's it's it can end in any moment for any of us, and it's sad when it does, and um, you know, it, all those health problems, which man, you know, and it's, it's, it's sometimes you just gotta, you gotta be thankful, yeah. you know? And yeah. No, I mean, he fought like crazy. I mean, when, when he would, you know, tweet out like what was going on, like, I remember that what, like I said that year ago when he said, you know, I got like 16 pounds in my intestines or whatever. Well, I forget what the length or whatever it was. I was like, I didn't even know we had that many intestines and those are, and, and I think he tweeted out a picture of him in rehab and you could see that like his body was, was nothing. It had just gone. Cause like all of it had been taken out. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like I, I'm thinking back to what I would do. And in, in, in that case, I would just be like, you know what? No, I'm good. Like whatever, whatever you guys got to do. I don't really think I want to fight or live or, 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 you know, fight back or, 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 or rehab or any of that sort of stuff. Like I'm done. I'm out. Obviously, you know, my body isn't going to, but, but Casey until the very end fought and, and like, yeah, it seemed like for five, six years, it was just constant, constant, constant issues uh, with his health and it just sucks. Yeah. Laying in that hospital bed, tweeting about wrestling to the end. Yeah. 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 Right up until the day before. Yeah. Yeah, That tweets the day before, you know, just tweeting about wrestling and um, probably with some, you know, wise ass remarks. (laughs) I'm sure. He didn't like, you know, Um, same person. You know, right up to the end. So, um, yeah, just a terrible, terrible story. You know, even with all of the health issues and everything, you know, when I saw it, it still was a real shock. You know, it hit me in the gut. Like, man, you just don't expect it, you know, and you see the age and you're just, man, you know, I've done so much since I was 26. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so sad that, you know, when someone dies that young. And I think where I was when I was 26 just – God, I don't want. I don't even want to get into it. Um, terrible, just a terrible story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tough way to, to start the show. But um, anyway, yeah, there there was a lot of really good articles out uh, talking about you know what what Casey did. And yeah, if you are not aware, um, there, there's just type in Casey Michael on Twitter or whatever, and, and and look at these articles, and you'll see like the people from all across the wrestling world coming together. Very similar to when Larry Zonka passed away. Um, a few months ago, where it was just like everybody out of the woodwork, wrestlers, writers, fans, everybody just like, yeah, pouring, you know, and outpouring of support. But, uh, yeah, just, just absolutely sucks at 26. So that is Bullet Bob and that is Casey Michael. But, uh, let's, let's try to get into these other, other uh, topics here. Uh, today we'll start out with AEW. We have uh, AEW's All Out coming up this Saturday. We are going to do an instant reaction show immediately following, uh, that show. That'll be on patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, the $10 tier. Uh, so if you're not subscribed, make sure you are. Again, going live immediately following all out. I forget exactly. I forget what the pay per view time says. It's till like 11 Eastern. I think I whenever the pay per view is over. We we I don't know what the exact time is going to be, but you know if you're watching along, whenever the pay per view is over, we're going to jump on uh, a few minutes afterwards to talk about it. So I'll be doing that. But uh, yeah, we'll have a preview up at VoicesWrestling.com as well. And uh, Joe, you just did uh, the TV reviews as well at patreoncom wrestling so you get an idea of what Joe thought about the Go Home Show. But uh, overall, uh, you know, Go Home Show, you know, I- included the build of All Out. I- I've seen a lot of, of of negativity, a lot of kind of like I don't know what they're it. it, it and I, I kind of I tend to agree with a lot of that as well. What is your thought going into All Out here? Now we're two days out from All Out. Are, are you excited about this pay per view? Is it is it meeting your expectations? Is it where you know you were when Revolution or Double or Nothing or or any of these other pay per views? To me, it feels like 
the the least you know interested I've been in in, in the build of a pay per view. Even though the card I think on paper looks pretty damn solid, but you know what's your what's your temperature right now on on all out? Shaky build, uh, shaky build for sure. Um, I don't know. I'm curious and interested in where they're going to go with a lot of the finishes. That's what I'm curious about. I think there's a lot of gimmick matches on the show, which concerns me. Um, although one of them has been moved to the pre-show at least. So, and we'll get to that because there's a conversation to be had about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think in terms of uh, my personal interest, I, I, I don't think it's any kind of a lock to be a great wrestling show based on the matches we have on paper, but, and, and, and like you, I, it may be the pay-per-view that I'm least interested in going into it out of all the pay-per-views they've done, but that doesn't mean I'm not interested in it. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, I, like, and, and that, that exact thought crossed my mind as I'm watching this go-home show, and I'm just like, this is, I'm just not excited. I'm not into this show. Uh, and then they did right before that final segment, they ran down all the pay-per-view matches. And I'm just like, that sounds like a good match. That looks pretty good too. That looks pretty. And like when it was over, I was like, "Ah, fuck! I'm excited about all out. This looks like a, a great pay per view." And then you know, I saw the final angle, and I was like, "Ah, maybe I don't really, you know, uh, you know the Moxley uh, lawyer thing." And I was like, "Ah, maybe I'm not in all out." And then MJF attacked Moxley and put his blood all over his face. I'm like, "Okay, I'm back in." So it, it's it's the way I've been with 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 this entire build is that they do little things here and there that make me think, "Okay, all right, we're back. This this sounds pretty good." And then they do silly stuff like Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara talking through poster boards, and I'm like, "What the fuck are we doing yeah. here? Like, what the hell yeah. is going on?" Or yeah, I watch. Bill- the build has been shaky. There's no doubt. It's it's I mean, so weird. Like, and and I want to like it because the card itself. I think the card itself. If you strip out, if if Joe, if you did not watch a, a single week of AEW pay per view over the last two months or whatever, and I read you this this card, I think you think this card rocks because it's a good ass card on paper. There's a lot of really really good matches on this show, but it's like, yeah, you watch this build and you're like, yeah, a lot of the stuff just hasn't landed. It's been very weird and 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 feels like totally wrong in, in a lot of ways. We'll talk about Moxley and MJF in, in in particular, but a lot of stuff is just I don't know, it's just it it doesn't it's just not the type of stuff that I have been looking for out of AEW. But with that said, I'm still excited about the pay-per-view and I'm still, you know, want to be entertained and, and, and think I will be entertained, but you never know. It, it, it's, it's been such a weird and shaky build that, yeah, it's hard to have full confidence. Yeah, I think that it'll be a newsworthy pay-per-view, though. I think they probably have some surprises up their sleeve, I think. Um, they'll probably see some kind of turn in the tag team title match. Uh, Khan hinted at some surprises on the media call, although, look, his job there is to hype the show, so who knows. Um, but yeah, just... I'm are you, are you telling me a pro wrestling promoter would lie to me about something to get me to buy their show? Oh, you know, they've in been 2020, known to, Joe, I, will, I refuse to accept this. They've been known to hype things. Yeah, that which is fine. That's their job. We're not criticizing. That's what they should do. I just, it's, it's so funny when people on Twitter are like, ah, oh, he lied about that. <laughs> He's a wrestling promoter. He's a wrestler. Like, could you believe he had the audacity to say that, uh, his pay-per-view was better than WrestleMania? <laughs> yeah. What a, what a weirdo. Yeah. Well, like, they want him a set. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I thought WrestleMania was a lot better than our show. Our show kind of stunk, but anyway, buy our pay-per-view this weekend. It'll be good, I think. I don't know. We'll see. But like, <laughs> yeah, idiots. Um, idiots. They don't understand wrestling, Joe. Hate to be the you know old man here, but like, yeah, so many people. It's just we're, we're they're promoters. <laughs> like, yeah, God, they want I you mean, to buy stuff. They tell you to whatever. <laughs> I mean, I want to see what goes down in the tag match, and I want to see how they book the main event. Um, you know whether 
they have the guts to put the title on MJF, or if they don't, how they get around not putting the title on MJF and how they get around, you know, kind of beating them. Um, and, and, and what the finish looks like there. And, you know, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara, you know, Matt Hardy, the stipulation with him, possibly, you know, he has to leave the company forever if he loses. So there's a lot of interest from my end in terms of how these finishes are going to come across more so maybe than just, I'm not looking at any of these matches and thinking, man, that's a potential match of the year contender. I'm not looking. I don't really see a lot of that. So, and I, and I do think the build has been very gimmick heavy and there's a lot of gimmick matches on the show. And I haven't been a fan of a lot of the sports entertainment type stuff that they've been doing. But, um, but, it's, but you know, I'm still looking forward to the show. This isn't like a payback situation where I'm, you know, quite literally forcing myself to watch it because otherwise I'd have no interest. I am interested in it, but, um, you know, not, not at the level I have been some of their other shows. Um, I would agree with you there. Yeah, but they've, I mean, I, I think they've had nothing but good pay-per-view so far. So it's like, you, you still, yeah, until, until they fuck up, you know, a few times in a row, you, you, you pretty much have to assume, okay, the build has been great or whatever, but you know, this pay-per-view will deliver. If it doesn't deliver, then okay, then there's questions. Okay, well, you know, what's going on here? And then, you know, the next pay-per-view comes and if that doesn't deliver, then it's like, all right, well, now you guys got to prove it again. Uh, right now, they've, they, to me, they've proved it for an entire year, but you know. No, it, they're batting a thousand. I've liked mm-hmm. all their pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're batting a thousand with the pay-per-views. So. Uh, this one is just, you know, the, the, the build concerns you a little. It, definitely. So let's, let's, we'll start with the main event here. Uh, World Championship match. John Moxley defending his title uh, against MJF. And, and, and Joe, are you ready for the most qualified statement of all time? Sure. Okay. If you take out the lawyer shit and oh, <laughs> the running for office politician part of this build, probably pretty good build. But you can't take that out. That's <laughs> the, the four minutes that they didn't do that shit, I really liked. When MJF is beating the fuck out of John Moxley and saying, you respect me, I'm going to be the youngest champion. I was like, I'm in. That's good. No, Let me just that, ignore the other seven weeks of stuff that I have hated. So. That beatdown at the end of Dynamite was phenomenal. That's what I'm saying. If you just if I mean, you just think about that and forget the other hours, seven or eight hours of build that this match has had, it's a fantastic build. <laughs> did you catch Wardlaw holding the title yes. and staring uh-huh. at it? Yeah, if, if you did not and, see that, what happened was... MJF beat John Mo- he was beating John Moxley up. He grabbed the belt and handed it to Wardlow. Wardlow was holding the belt as MJF is pounding on John Moxley and he's in a trance. He's staring at the belt. He's seeing his reflection in the belt. Yeah. And they didn't do it in the typical yeah. it was just Michael Cole. Wardlow's looking at the belt. What does it mean? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like that's what Michael Cole would No. You had to just Wardlow, be MJF's manager, is looking at the belt. You have to wonder if he's maybe thinking about him maybe winning the title. And it's like, oh my God, thanks guys. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, just a subtle thing where you got to be paying attention. You know, they don't, they don't, they didn't draw your attention to it. He's just staring at that title belt, you know, and it's just, and they've done a bunch of stuff with MJF and Wardlaw in that direction. Like, you know, they had the tag match where MJF, you know, they blew a spot and MJF was calling him a stupid idiot. And how dare you? And Wardlaw kind of gives him a look, but then just keeps, you know, going along with the, it, so, you know, look, it's obvious that Wardlaw is going to be a big star at some point. I mean, we all we all know that. Look at the fucking guy. He's a homegrown. Um, you know, they, they're going to do an angle at some point where he turns on MJF when he has enough. And this was just another seed being planted. That that whole beatdown segment, like I said, it was phenomenal. But when you do that, you know, nonsense with the, with the lawyer and Moxley, it kind of takes the edge off. How of it because bad was that? Oh, my that, God. That is one of the worst 
television segments I've seen in forever. So bad that did you catch this too? John Moxley goes, "This is terrible television." That just hits him with the paradigm shift. <laughs> Yeah, I'm convinced that it was supposed to go like another minute, and he's just like, "Fuck this, we're done. Let's go." It, it was. It was. Listen, it, it, I said this on the TV reviews. I said it on Twitter. That segment should now be the standard of something like like the bottom level standard for them of something they should never ever do again. If someone comes up with a bad idea in that room, someone needs to stand up and go, "This is the lawyer. We cannot do this again. This is the lawyer." It has to be the standard of bad ideas that they never even approach ever again. It has to be the worst thing they've ever done because it is the worst thing they've ever done. Oh, it's done. so bad. Yeah, yeah. It, it blew the uh, Dark Order thing out of the water, I thought, because it's like – and it didn't even achieve what it wanted to do. Like the Dark Order thing that, you know, the, the, the Christmas or the well, – yeah, it was Christmas. Yeah. It was like the New Year's or whatever. I forget when it was exactly. Like that angle was like an absolute bomb, and it just was like lame as hell, and it didn't really work. But like you get what they were going for with that angle. You understand what the point was of that angle. This was supposed to be, I guess, that, like, we were supposed to want this lawyer to get his ass kicked, but it went on for so long that, like, you started feeling bad for this guy. Like, John Moxley's just, like, toying with this guy, and you're like, what does this have to do with MJF and Moxley? And why is this lawyer getting his ass kicked? And what the hell's going on? Like, there's just, it's totally, it was like, yeah, it was just terrible. Yeah, Yeah, like, and Moxley's, you know, poking him in the eye, and he's, like, you know, doing overdramatic selling, and you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is John fucking Moxley. The guy that comes out in leather, kicks ass, and leaves. Like, that's what you want him to do. And here he is, you know, poking eyes and, 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 and fucking around with this lawyer guy in, like, a weird, you know, Andy Kaufman costume. And you're like, what the hell is going on? This is, like, all wrong. And then, yeah, it was made all right when MJF comes out and beats the fuck out of him and bloodies him up and, and, and puts his blood all over his body. And you're like, Jesus, where was this for the last seven weeks? Like, there we go. That's what we needed here. And you could have gotten to that angle in a million other ways other than the thing with the lawyer. Yeah. It's just so bad. And, and it was – and I disagree with you. It wasn't John Moxley. You know what that was? That was Dean Ambrose. That was some Dean Ambrose bullshit right there. This was Monday Night Dynamite. It was awful. It was everything that you would see on Raw or SmackDown and that you would mock and, and complain about and just hand wave it and say, I'm not watching this stupid fucking company. It was awful. They should. It, it was way worse than the Dark Order beatdown in December. That was just a failed wrestling angle. Yeah, it just sucked. But we knew it. You know, it you sucked. knew what they were going to do. Yeah. It, 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 like this was just. This was just offense. This was bad on an offensive. Like there were fans there, and the fans didn't react to any of it either. It paying fans in the building. This thing went down to complete silence. It was a complete bomb. It was a horrible idea. It was goofy. It was uh, total WWE bullshit. And they should never do anything like this again. And listen, they've been walking that line. They've been walking a real close line. And they've been, during this whole build, doing a lot of goofy shit like that. And it's concerning. It's concerning. Because you don't want to fall into those traps. And that's what happens when you have Matt Hardy in the room. That's what happens when you have Chris Jericho in the room and you don't rein him in. That's what happens when you have the Young Bucks in the room. And at some point, you've got to rein in these people with their goofy ideas. You do. You just got to do it. Okay, because then too much of this shit gets onto the show. And what you end up with is mimosa fucking mayhem matches <laughs> and and this bullshit with the lawyer and and everything else. Okay, and it, it's it, it, there's got to be that filter. I talk about it all the time. You know, Mid-South Tony has got to put his foot down with some of this stuff. There's just too much of it on some of these shows during this build. You know, there's just too much of it. You know, you can live with it if it's one segment. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Yeah, just up and down Matt the card, Hardy though, there's, there's, there's a lot of this, like, kind of goofy shit going on. There's too much of it, okay? I just, you know, give me Bullet Bob Armstrong wanting to beat up Ron Fuller. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I want, and, and, you, and, and that's what it should mostly be. 
you know, and you can sprinkle in some of this other bullshit. But um, what happens is, I mean, this isn't even a situation like the uh, what was the what was the cinematic match that everybody loved that I was the uh, only stadium stampede, in. stadium stampede. Okay, stadium stampede. You're gonna get grumps like me who it's never gonna work for them. Okay, but it's gonna work for everyone else, and it's fine. And I just have to live with it. Rich, haven't I been pretty consistent with that opinion? It's like, okay, I understand everyone else liked it. I thought it was horse shit. Adam Page coming to the match on that horse. I will never fucking forget how bad that was. I, I, I hated it. But I understand that it's over with everybody else. That shit with the lawyer was over with no one. It was just atrocious television. And you can't have it. Cannot have it. I don't know how that, how that idea got built up to over the course of the last three weeks and then made it on the TV. Yeah, and then the idea was, yeah, hey, let's have this go about seven minutes or so. Yeah, like, I, my, if you had to do the lawyer thing, if you had to, which, again, as you said, there's a million ways to get to what they would need to get to without the dumb lawyer thing. The lawyer thing is, is Moxley is like, this is fucking ridiculous. Why do I even have to face you? Okay, fine. Bell rings, paradigm shift, one, two, three, pins him. Okay, rolls him out of the ring. All right, MJF, where are you? You know, grabs a microphone and says, MJF, get your ass down here. You, you know what I mean? Like, if you need to. Not have a seven-minute match where you're, you know, like, you know, kicking him in the butt and like having him, you know, sell his butt. It's like, what are we doing? Like, come on. So bad. Nothing about it was remotely funny. It was WWE humor, which is never funny. You know, and I'm not letting Moxley off the hook. This is a guy who will go on every podcast under the sun and tell you how the Dean Ambrose stuff sucked and he was tired of being a rodeo clown and people still ask him nice. about squirting mustard. And this was no better than squirting mustard. It's the same shit. Okay. So he talks a big game, and then he's out there squirting mustard again, okay? Because this was rodeo clown bullshit. That's what it was. And he goes on; he'll go on every podcast under the sun and tell you how he was tired of doing that stuff and how AEW is different and how I just get to be an ass kicker and I don't squirt mustard anymore. And people still come up to me in airports and ask me about squirting mustard, and I'm embarrassed. Well, you should be just as embarrassed as this. Yeah. Why didn't you put your foot down? Why didn't you put your foot down, John, and say, I'm not doing this because this is D Dean Ambrose bullshit and I'm not doing it and I'm a star and I'm calling my shot and let's rewrite this and let's do a, uh, get to this beat down another way because I'm not doing this Dean Ambrose shit. So he's just as culpable because how could he go out there and do that after he talks all that shit? He's a fraud too in this scenario, okay? I don't know how Khan lets that on the air. I don't know how Ambrose or, or Mox, I call it's Ambrose shit. I don't know how Moxley agrees to it. And I don't know how anybody in that room doesn't stand up and say, this idea fucking sucks. What are we doing? How does that happen? And then it takes all the edge. Then now we're spending 15 minutes, 15 <laughs> talking minutes talking about this lawyer instead of talking about that beatdown after the match, which was phenomenal. And that's what we should be talking about. And that should be the focus. But what's everybody talking about today? John Moxley and the lawyer in the worst segment they've ever done on TV. And I haven't loved a lot of the segments they've done. We brought up a couple of them. And this was the worst, and it wasn't even close. And we're talking about that. This is a waste of my fucking time. I can get this on Mondays. I can get this on Fridays. I don't need this on Wednesdays. This is a waste of my time. It's garbage. And it makes me mad when they do it because they know better. Yeah. I just roll my eyes at the other guys. You expect it from them. This is Katie Vick bullshit. It's garbage. And I don't blame the lawyer. He went out there and did what he was supposed to do. He did what was asked of him. It's not his fault. No, no, God, that, no. That guy did a good job for what they asked him to do. They asked him to go out there and be a comedy goof. You know, and he did it. This cannot get past Tony Khan. He, can't, he cannot greenlight this. 
John Moxley cannot agree to do this. John Moxley has to say, I left the place where they had me doing this. That's what needs to happen. It's a waste of my time and everybody else's. It took the edge off of that great angle. Yeah, oh, even for sure. MJF, even MJF cannot save this bullshit. And he's part of it too, yeah. laying on his back and cutting shoot promos. Fuck that guy too. That's yeah, this whole build is is. I mean, this build to me is not hard to do. It's MJF hasn't been pinned yet. He hasn't been submitted. He's ranked number one. John Moxley's the champion. MJF is the young up and comer that wants to take the title away from John Moxley, who you know left WWE and is now in you know uh, top AEW. Like I, I feel like there doesn't need to be much more than that. These guys cut promo. They're both fantastic promos. They're both fantastic characters. We'll have a ton of charisma. And yet I'm turning on TV and I'm seeing, you know, balloons falling from the sky and presidential election stuff and, you know, vote MJF. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is happening here? And, and it's just, and then you get the lawyer. And it's just like, I, it, it's come to a point where, honestly, Joe, I have no fucking clue who's going to win this match or who should win this match or who I want to win this match. And that sucks because the build should be easy. And we should be talking about, man, do they go with MJF? There, is now the time to go with MJF or do you wait? And if you wait, like you said, well, how do you wait? Do, does Wardlow turn on him? Maybe Wardlow turns on him now. How do they, like, all these scenarios we could be talking about, but instead we're like, yeah, build sucks and the fucking lawyer thing was garbage. Like, and that's, that stinks. I don't want to have to talk about that with the main event. It, 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 with something that seems so simple and with a, a company and with people that, like you said, should and do know better, but I don't know. You said, look at this build without the lawyer stuff and, the campaign stuff. I'm going to flip it on you. Look at this build without that closing segment last night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's horrendous. Yeah. You know, a couple good promos here and there. Look, I thought the contract signing was good. Until Moxley did the WWE shit. with yeah, the, Look with at the page. Seven. And then the lawyer goes, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, my God, what are we doing? <laughs> Until they did the Monday Night Raw shit at the end, the contract signing was good because they cut good promos on each other. And it wasn't the same derivative nonsense you see from a contract signing with tables flipping and an attack yeah. and all the bullshit. Okay, it was good until that point. And then it went straight downhill with the page 17 shit. And then obviously the lawyer stuff stunk. But outside of a couple promos here and there, you take away that closing segment last night. And again, that isn't even our focus and it should be. And it's, and it's a shame. you know. And, and, the, and the other bad part about that is they headlined – the television show, like that, they built their television show around that. I mean, and I get it. You want the closing angle going into your pay-per-view and all that. But again, there's a million different ways to do it without involving the comedy. I don't want comedy anywhere near my world title. I mean, that's number one. That Just at a base, you don't want comedy anywhere near your world title. Now, you know me, I want no comedy at all. But I don't. you definitely don't want it in your world right. titles. This is an angle that if you want to do something similar to this angle, this happens five weeks ago. And then the last four weeks are all fucking nothing but business. Talking yeah. to you into buying that pay-per-view, talking you into the building, you know, hypothetically or whatever. This is the go-home. It's just like, no, 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 not what I want. Nor should what you want to, to be. Because, yeah, the last, with, again, without that beatdown, it's just like, yeah, like you said, what is this build? Why would you be invested in this match in any way, shape, or form? So... Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> right, who do you think is going to win this, though? I guess I don't know. We'll see how they book it. I don't. I. I mean, I think it can really go either way. I don't. I, I don't know if it's too soon, so to speak, for MJF. I won't know that until they do it, and I get a feel for it. Um, 
look, he's going to be a top star for a long time. The people who don't get it with MJF, you're going to be on the wrong side of history on this one. I mean, I just, I'm tired of arguing about it. Guy's going to be a mega star for years to come. Um, but I don't know if you, if it's, you know, we'll see if now's the right time to kind of strap him up. Um, you know, you could always beat him clean in the middle and have him blame Wardlow or something. I'm just curious how they're going to book it. I really have no preference of a, of a, of a winner or I, I just, there's a lot of curiosity for me to, to how they book it and how it comes across. All right. So we'll talk about the, uh, Jesus Christ, the Mimosa mayhem match. The match can be won by pinfall submission or throwing your opponent into a tank of Mimosa. Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not it's not for me. Orange Cassidy almost never is. The the feud itself has had mixed results in terms of television. Um, some of the segments have not done well. Uh, some of the segments have done well. Um, I still don't buy that Orange Cassidy is a legitimate top-line star uh, based on that, um, you know, because some of the segments with Jericho have, have flat-out bombed, and Jericho hasn't bombed with anyone else. And it's just funny because, you know, the segments when they do bomb, people blame Jericho. And I'm like, how can you blame the guy that's money every other time? <laughs> the guy's been great for 30 years. <laughs> but then he gets in there with this guy and it bombs and you blame him and not the guy. <laughs> it's he Jericho's there. fault. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, it's like people are just so defensive it's when it comes since to Orange 1996. Cassidy. He's been a top star since 1996, but yeah, it's definitely yeah. his fault. <laughs> it's like maybe the fucking little meme wrestler is just that, a nice little quarter three draw who isn't a main event player. Maybe that's possible. And maybe it's not the guy who is the we know is a legitimate draw's fault. But you know, people will people bend over backwards to try to blame it on Jericho. Oh well, he was shitty in the mat. Yeah, he was shitty in the mat. But you know, you're you're trying to twist yourself into a pretzel to defend this guy who has never proven shit against a guy who's been proving it for 25 years. I mean, get lost with that. Get lost with that. So, I mean, you know, they're trying to get him over with Jericho. And it has had mixed results. So we'll see. I mean, the stipulation is fucking stupid. And it's not for me. We'll, someone's going to get thrown into a vat of mimosa. <laughs> I have no interest in that. And it's like, you know, um, I just think right now, the people making the decisions there, they overrate the value of Orange They see something in Orange Cassidy that, in terms of, of drawing power, that I do not, that I am failing to see. Now they've got more data than us. They've got the minute by minutes, uh, you know, and and they're only going to show us what they want to show us. I get that. We only get the quarter hours or whatever, and we don't even get them every week. But it's like, man, I see a guy who can't even draw consistently with the guy who is the easiest person to draw with in the company. And I'm like, why are you still convinced that this guy is, is it? I don't get it. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's silly, but we'll see. Maybe it'll end up being a good match. Yeah, I've, I've been a little bit more into Orange Cassidy as of late, but this build, this this last few weeks and this Mimosa Mayhem style, like, I, I'm kind of out again. Like, there, there was a point where I was really into it, and we talked about it even back in Revolution or, you know, the first Jericho-Orange Cassidy match, where the fun of it was that Orange Cassidy was kind of using his his bullshit as like a way to, you, you know, trick the opponent. And then, you know, he'd, he'd come there with a real super kick or, you know, Pac would, would, would think it's bullshit. And then he'd get laid out by orange cat. And like that sort of stuff well, that will land with me. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, I'm outsmarting you. I'm, I'm still a tremendous wrestler. I'm just outsmarting you. And now we've leaned, I think too far into the, 
the ridiculous and too far into the oh, okay here's Orange Cassidy and he's uh haha look how funny it is and the most and that and that's always gonna lose me and and this has lost me over the last few weeks so I'm I'm ready for this hopefully to just be over and and Jericho to move on to better things and 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 Orange Cassidy to do whatever Orange Cassidy some do, of, so. some of the stuff they've done together has been good and some of it has been I've loved I love the early part of this but. We've, it's gone too long, and ever since then, it's just gotten way far away from what I want out of wrestling. So, yeah, and the match a couple of weeks ago was a train wreck. Yeah, and terrible. yeah, Jericho and Jericho was awful in it. There's no question. Um, you know, they they fucked up the finish, and uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 very hit or miss whether this will land or not. Uh, and then uh, let's get to uh, actually other parts of this show that I don't hate that much. Uh, Kenny Omega, Adam Page versus FTR. Uh, for the AW World Tag Team titles, you said Kenny Omega and Page, the fracturing tag team here uh, against FTR. FTR is kind of little by little trying to get Kenny Omega or Page to to move to their side. Both men have kind of, you know, backed away and, and, and won't, you know, turn on their partner. But you do wonder if maybe this is the time that they do it. To me, I think you have a lot more legs on this story. I'd like to see them go in here, just win again, uh, retain the titles, and... Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot more you could do with the story, and I don't think we're ready for the breakup just yet. But if they decide to do the breakup here, I wouldn't be totally heartbroken by it because I think it's going to be a tremendous angle when uh, it eventually happens. But uh, I think overall, before we talk about this match, what what, what have your thoughts been on FTR so far in uh, AEW? I don't think um, – I, I've liked their promos, and I like certain aspects of uh, what they do, but I, I don't think their matches have delivered. I, I agree. I'm right with you. I think their matches have um, – They've 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 been working the house style for the most part, as opposed to imposing their style of wrestling, which is that's the whole point of this tag team. If they're not going to work Southern tag and impose their will on their opponents, then that's their that's the entirety of their gimmick. So, you know, I I really want to see them start working their style. I want to see what they did in NXT. Against, uh, you know, Gable and um, what was the name of that tag team? Uh, uh, Gable and Jordan. You're thinking of American Alpha. Yeah, Gable right? and Jordan. Yeah. American Alpha. I want to see the style of matches they had against American Alpha and against Gargano and Ciampa, where, uh, you know, th- th- that was very much their signature style of match. And, and, and those were great matches. Those were some of the best tag team matches of the decade. I remember us talking about some of those matches and, and me saying that's one of the best tag team matches I've seen in my life. Yeah. Those matches were that good. Yeah, there was that one main weekend. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was revival against American Alpha. Um, yeah, for uh, Dallas, I want to say maybe it was it Dallas. Maybe. I forget. I, I forget where it was exactly, but yeah, whatever. Have... Whatever mini weekend that was, it was fucking incredible. It was just like yeah, one of the better tag matches I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and they just haven't brought that style to AEW. They've essentially worked the house style. So from that perspective, they've been disappointing. With that said, they are. I think they're going to win. I think they should win. And I think they're going to pull the trigger on the Kenny Omega turn. I mean, Kenny Omega has been the peacemaker the whole time. And you think Paige is the unstable one. So I think, look, I don't think um, this is any kind of hot take. I think everyone sees it coming at this point. But I think this is when you do it. I think it ends up where Omega is the one that actually turns and not Paige. And um, I think that's what's going to happen here. I think FTR will win the titles and they'll do the angle with Paige and Omega. Because once Paige and Omega lose the titles, there's no point keeping them together. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, when they lose, they have to break up and and start that feud for sure. And I I do think, I do agree with the theory that it's Omega is the one that's going to turn. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, this is a classic pro wrestling thing where it's like so obvious it's going to be one guy that you now know it's going to be the other guy type thing. You know what I mean? Like the and, And that's good. Like that's the way that you should book. Like the way they booked it is perfectly fine where like your brain... 
your logical brain says, okay, it's Adam Page that's going to turn, but then your wrestling brain goes, I mean, that just means it's Kenny Omega that's going to turn, right? Because that's that's what we do in pro wrestling. It's it's you know what what you think is going to happen, the opposite usually does happen. Type thing, yeah. or, or what the what the company is telling you is going to happen is the opposite. I mean, there's that famous uh, Jerry McDivitt uh, try. Uh, like, I forget what it was. I don't. Oh, it was when Eric Bischoff. Do you remember this when Eric Bischoff challenged Vince McMahon to come to uh, Slamboree or whatever the fuck the pay per view was to have a fight or whatever? And yes. so <laughs> Vince McMahon sued them, and or you know they had Jerry McDivitt come on there, and his argument was by saying that Vince McMahon is not going to show up, that means that he is going to show up. Because Eric Bischoff got scared and said, oh, I'm just joking. Vince isn't going to show up. And then that's when they pounced and said, okay, when he says that, in wrestling, that actually means he is going to show up. And I'm sure this judge is like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, no, no. When they said we're not going to show up, is it actually what it means is we are going to show up? And they won the case. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they won the case because, yeah, they had enough precedent that, yeah, when the wrestling promotion says this thing is not going to happen, what they mean is it's actually going to happen. So Yeah, or like the wrestling heel or whatever. And Bischoff, you know, the heel in this scenario. or what? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But, um, you know, and I, I think Jericho is the one that turns. And I think, obviously, long term, then that set – not Jericho, Omega. And then that long term sets up an Omega page program at the top for the world title, yeah. which, will draw, which will draw a gazillion dollars. I mean, that's the long term play here. And it's like that's why people are so short-sighted with Omega. It's just – I haven't – I don't bother fighting with anyone anymore when they say it or when I read yeah, it. Yeah, by I this time next year, he's going to be one of the top fucking stars in this company. <laughs> in the world. Not just the company. I mean, please. I mean, it's Kenny Omega, you know, and this is all a long term play. The whole idea here was to use Kenny Omega to help Adam Page get over as a top guy. And, you know, before COVID, that was working. The reactions that Page was getting and everything else. And then they're telling this long term story with these two guys. And, you know, um, you know, they'll split. And even if we're wrong and it is Page that goes heel, I think it'll be Omega. The bottom line is down the line they're they're going to feud at the top of this company for the probably for the title, you know, and 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 Kenny Omega and Page are going to draw a gazillion dollars doing it. I mean, I, I mean that's the way I see all this playing out, and um, you know, you don't you don't need Kenny Omega to be in the top mix right now. He was in the top mix at the start of the promotion. That's the other thing. People forget that he main evented like three out of the first four pay per views. Why do people pretend that he was never a top guy in this company? It's like such a misnomer. You could just look at the pay-per-view main events. Okay? So he was a main eventer right out of the gate and helped them draw money and be successful right out of the gate. His television segments always increase viewers. Look it up. Okay? This idea that Kenny Omega is not a star, it's just rooted in nonsense. It's rooted in absolute nonsense. And then when they want to pull the trigger on him as a top singles guy, they can do it anytime they want. And they're going to do it with him and Hangman. Okay? They're going to do it with him and Hangman, and they're going to feud over that title. And, you know, they're going to fill buildings and, and sell pay-per-views. I mean, come on. You know, and it's like, that's why I don't even bother anymore with these people. Oh, Kenny Omega's not a star. I mean, you're not paying attention. His quarter hours always draw. It's also been you in, know? like, and, you know, tremendous matches, too. The other thing is, like, it's yeah, match quality exactly. sucks. Like, it's I don't know, a revolution, I saw him, you know, have a... a, 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 a... Jack the Nash revolution match is a, it so might good. win match. That revolution match tag might win match. I of the know. Year. Yeah. It's going to finish top five. It's gonna t- yeah. yeah, I think maybe one of the Tokyo Dome, uh, one of the Wrestle yeah. Kingdom matches might win, but it's it's definitely going to be top five. Yeah. I'm saying it's a definite. Yeah, oh, for sure, no doubt. It's going to get the, first place votes and a lot of them. So the Pac match is one of the best matches in the history of the company. 
I mean, right now, why? It's like the guy is delivering in every way. And you would, <laughs> you would think that he's like, you know, uh, you think he's like, I don't know, name a mid-card guy. You'd think he's Sean Spears out yeah, there. Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ten guy. I think he's ten guy out there. You know, he's, he works main event. He's main evented more shows than anybody. He's main evented more pay-per-views than anyone else in the company. His matches have been great. This ta- He might win tag team of the year. Rich, he's going to win tag team of the year. <laughs> yes, he is. But they're, but they're not using him properly, and he's not a star. Meanwhile, they're using them to help get – they're setting up. They're setting up the program that's going to carry their 2021 with the guy, and he's going to be in it. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's people – Rich, they don't look beyond the surface. It's surface-level analysis. It's the same as when they talk about the women's division, which I'm, I promise I'm not going to do that. Please, dear God, not do a women's but division. But it's the same thing. It's, surf, it's surface-level analysis. It's no different than taking out a stopwatch and saying the women only got seven minutes and 18 seconds on the show without looking at all of the reasons why. It's, it's no different, and it drives you nuts. But that's why they listen to this show, Rich. What do we got next? Set the record straight. Uh, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, build has been interesting, to say the least. Again, Hikaru Shida kind of uh, needing an opponent. Uh, them, you know, digging into the NWA to get Thunder Rosa out, which I think is awesome. I think she's great. Uh, the go-home angle-ish thing with Thunder Rosa, I don't think that landed exactly. I don't think you need to have a 15-minute back-and-forth match with uh, somebody that, you know, wrestled, you know, decades ago, you know, type of thing. And I know Serena Deeb is still active or whatever, but to most people, and, and they made it obvious at the beginning, too, they're like, oh, you remember her from the Straight Edge Society or whatever? And it's like, okay, if that's the reference point that we're using for her, then Thunder Rosa, who's challenging for the AW Women's Championship in a few days, should beat the fuck out of her in, in, in five minutes and put her away and, and, and you know, hold the title up and say, okay, I'm coming for that title. I'm coming for, you know, Sheeta, I'm coming for your title. I don't know if I need a multi-segment back-and-forth match with someone that you're telling me, oh, that's Serena Deeb from the Trader Society that you remember from 10 years ago. You know, it's the kind of thing where it would have been way better for Thunder Rosa to win a squash match against anyone, whether it was Serena Deeb or you want to throw Abaddon or fucking whoever, Heather Monroe. You want to throw one of the dark jobbers out there too. I mean, that's fine. It would have been much better for Thunder Rosa to win a squash. That, you're right. But they get criticized every week because the women's match is three minutes long. So you can't win. Oh, no, no I get you it. Know? No, but but just, dude, yeah. from a booking perspective, <laughs> yeah, right. they would have been better off doing this. And look, look, the most effective match on Dynamite last night was the Chris Jericho squash yeah. over Joey oh, Janela. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's exactly how you book a star that's exactly how you book a star going into a big pay-per-view match that you that is one of the money-drawing matches on the Well, especially when you they don't know who she is. Like, uh, we know who she, I know who she is. You know yes. who she is. I had a friend that texted me and said, who's this? And I said, oh, she's really good. And then he watched the match, and he said, yeah, I think she's all right. And I was like, yeah, damn it. I'm sorry that, like, that's how you feel, but I know that's how you feel. I get that's how you feel because there she is going neck and neck with, you know, the lady that he remembers from the Straight Edge Society. He goes, is that the bald woman from the Straight Edge Society? Yes. Oh, is this Thunder Rosa girl good? Yeah, oh, yeah, she's really good. Okay. And he watched, and then he watched him, her go back and forth 15 minutes and have, you know, kind of a well-worked, solid back and forth pro wrestling match. And I said, well, what'd you think? And he goes, eh, eh she's all right. And I was like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. No, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't help that it was like a two-star special. I mean, it was just a competent, yeah, yeah, fine pro wrestling match. And, and that didn't help either. I mean, if it would have been like a standout television match that went the length it did, maybe, you know, people's, uh, you know, maybe our opinions would be different. But, you know, I, I think it would have been advantageous, though, for Thunder Rosa, who their audience is being introduced to, I guess you could say, your friend being the, being the example. 
you know, to go out there and dominate somebody for five or six minutes. You're right. Um, so I don't know. It's it's. But look, this is a very minor gripe. I think overall, um, you know, what they did with Jericho, like I said, was perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was the most effective thing on the show. That's. I mean, honestly, that's how I'm MJF. building. That's how I'm building my go home show and 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 building my roster. Is I know some people aren't used to it because you know a lot of the wrestling that they've watched over the last twenty years doesn't have those. But I think definitive wins. No, not every match has to be thirty seconds, but a win where you know Thunder Rosa beats her in five minutes, I think is way better, you know, than a 15 minute back and forth type thing, you know, and and that's, I'm not saying everything has to be a squash, but I think you want to leave thinking, man, that girl is awesome. And she's going to go for the title, man. I wonder if she's going to win. And now you get, what what do you, you know, you're left with thinking, okay, well, I guess she's fine. You know? Right. I mean, overall, I think bringing her in and doing business with the NWA is a good thing. Oh yeah, for sure. It's mutually beneficial. And our big scoop was going to be that it was Kenny Omega's idea, but then Tony Khan on the media call today <laughs> told everybody it was Kenny Omega's idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we had found out, um, you know, that it was Kenny Omega's idea to use Thunder Rosa. He pitched it, and and Khan was like, "All aboard! Yeah, let's let's give it a shot. It's a good idea." So, um, you know, it, so you know, Omega is still invested in the division, and is still, you know, um, look, they're trying to come up with ideas and bring people in. And and Khan spoke very highly of Serena Deeb on the media call, and it sounds like they would love to give her another shot. Oh yeah, yeah, no, she should and, become a roster member. I think she's pretty. Oh, solid. I agree. Yeah. Oh God, I would sign her in an instant. I mean, you know, with the and, and Khan even addressed. He's like, I don't know when I'm getting the Japanese talent back. I don't know when I'm getting the overseas talent back. So we have to rebuild the roster. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, oh, and 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 tapping into the NWA too, I think is 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 he should definitely you know like a, someone like a even like an Ashley Vox or whatever is is a name that. Uh, I mentioned a few months ago as like a, a, a someone that they should have their eye on. Thunder Rosa was we we talked about this. You know, if the NWA, if you don't know what's going on with them, call and 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 see if you can poach some of these people because yeah, Thunder Rosa immediately adds credibility to your vision. I think yeah, there's a lot of depth that you can get from NWA that can definitely fill out the roster better than you know some of these other people that they have on their TV. So and the thing with the NWA is they're always open for business. You know, Billy Corgan will do business with you. You know, uh, we saw it with Ring of Honor and, you know, we see it with, you know, other uh, smaller promotions that they do business with. So um, and it's mutually beneficial because Billy can't give his people work right now. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> They're not running shows. So like, you keep them visible. Also, you get your champion on AEW television. Right. You get your three letters mentioned on TV, which is important. Yeah. You got a million people watching her. You're going to get her on the pay-per-view. And, you know, and, and, and you, you get her exposed to a whole new audience and then and, and maybe when power comes back or whatever they do. So it's mutually beneficial. Um, Khan did not sound on the, the media call, by the way. Subscribers can listen to that on the $5 tier. We have the whole media call up behind the paywall. We should plug that. But um, he didn't sound – I didn't get the sense from him that there will be much moving forward with the NWA, though. Uh, he even flat out said they haven't even discussed using any of the other talent outside of this Thunder Rosa thing. So, um, but I do think that this is mutually beneficial for both sides. And I like how AEW has handled it. Oftentimes in wrestling, when you see a deal like this, the promotion with the higher ground is just going to eat up the other promotion. Treat their wrestler like a jobber. Thunder Rosa is going to lose. Make no mistake. But the way they've presented her, her title and her promotion has been on equal footing to AEW. The egos have been put aside. And that's the best way to do something like this. Because if you have the commentators put them down and say, oh, this is an outsider. I don't think she could hang with Sheeta. 
you know, then it's like, then why should I care? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that, that's been a problem with wrestling for a long time. And I forget there's a Terry Funk quote and I, I don't even remember exactly what the quote is, but essentially just like, yeah, I mean, I want to make my opponent look like a million bucks. Cause when I beat him, then I'm a million bucks. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yes. it seems so simple, but like so much of wrestling is not that where people are putting down their opponent. This guy it's sucks. Or, you know, WWE does, who is this unknown person? He was on the Indies. He must suck. And it's just like, no, make him out to be the biggest fucking monster in the world. Like make him out to be Rich, the biggest deal in the w- world. WWE did it with WCW and ECW when they owned them. <laughs> right. Yeah, look at these geeks. Look at this parade they, of fucking dorks. <laughs> like, they owned it. It was theirs. It wasn't even technically an outside entity. They owned it. It would have been to their advantage to build it up strong. And they and there was just too much ego involved. Yeah. And they're not the only ones who do it. No, yeah, UWF and WCW happen, you know, pretty famously too. Yes. Yeah, oh my god, that one was awful too. It's like they never even they they left so much money on the table with that by just jobbing out the UWF guys immediately and talking them down on TV. So I, I really think AEW has handled this well. They gave Billy Corgan a chance to talk on Dynamite last week. They've presented Thunder Rosa as a legitimate threat. You know, even if the match went a little too long this week, there's been respect there. And 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 that's the way you should handle these things, even if your person's going over in the end. Yeah. And if you're the NWA, you just have to accept that their person's going over in the end. That's part of the trade-off. You get the exposure, their person goes over. Yeah, that's how it, a lot of times it would happen, you know, successfully in, in Japan always uh, when they do invasions yeah. angles and they do it well. It's that way where, where both, both companies are on equal footing. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the one in more power – be it New Japan against Noah or something like that, they're going to say, okay, well, our guy's going to win. And it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. <laughs> like, it's fine because we got all this exposure for our company or whatever, and we got all this sort of stuff. And, and they haven't always worked, but yeah, that's how it tends to work a little bit more um, in, in Japan. So um, that one, yeah, Hakaru Shida's win, and there's no point in even discussing uh, that, which is the right call. Well, sure. I mean, just look, it's the AEW titles on the line and not the NWA title. So Shida's obviously winning. Yeah. Uh, then we have the 21-man Casino Battle Royal winner receives a future AEW World Championship match. We got Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Pentagon, Ray Phoenix, Butcher, Blade, Kingston, Sean Spears, Billy, Austin Gunn, Jake Hager, Santana, Ortiz, Chuck Taylor, Trent, and to be decided because we still have a few names there. So I am so into this match. Are you surprised? I am very surprised, actually. Yeah, explain. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. The segment this week, which broke into the giant brawl, was, was, as Jim Ross would say, bowling shoe ugly. Okay? That's one way to put it, yeah. But it these segments... sucked. <laughs> but what these segments have done over the last three weeks with the managers arguing with each other is they have set up this match to where if it is booked well, you're going to see a lot of storyline advancement in a lot of different ways, okay? We know that Ricky Starks and Darby Allen, one of them is eliminating the other. Maybe they're eliminating each other, but their story is going to move forward here. I'd be stunned if it doesn't. Darby keeps attacking them. This is a chance for them to get their hands on each other for the first time in a match since Starks took the the skateboard to the back. Okay, And they're probably going to have a singles match at some point. And this match will be the next step. You're going to get the Lance Archer, Brian Cage face off Mm -hmm. at some point in this match. Right? You had Eddie Kingston and his boys getting in the mix this week. So I think if it's booked well, a lot like when a Royal Rumble is booked well, right? The best Royal Rumbles are the ones that are booked well. When a yeah, lot of right, right, right. Tito Santana comes happen. in at the right time. You know what I mean? Like Roddy Piper comes out when Ric Flair's in the ring by himself. Like that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's there's always ways to do it. 
the best elimination matches are the ones where there's a lot happening in storyline advancement. And that's why I always argue in favor of elimination matches because when they're booked well, they're very compelling. And a lot of different uh, uh, things can happen that advance whatever stories are happening. And that's the case here. And I have faith that this match is going to be booked well and it's not just going to be some dopey battle royal. You know, I think they're going to do a good job with it. And I think that a lot of these stories that they've been setting up over the last month or so leading into this match are going to either pay off or advance. So I'm looking forward to this match because I think there are a lot of story tentacles going on here. Yeah, I guess you're a little more invested than I am, but you, know, you sold me a little bit. You have definitely sold me in this. I, I, I do hope that uh, they're sitting down. Because you're absolutely right. The, the collection of names is not just, hey, here's who's not on the card. It's a very deliberate collection of names, and it's a very obvious collection of names. It, it is who's not the on the best, card. The best friends and Proud and Powerful are in there, too. Yeah, exactly. Like they, right, right. And it's like, look, there's some geeks in it. Yeah, Billy and Austin and Hager and Spears. You get those assholes out of here. But pretty much everybody else that, that is announced has, has some sort of – Yeah, exactly. There's some they're reason in a, for them They're in a there. program, and the person they're in a program with is in the match. And, and you know, they've been cut. The problem – the one thing about the AEW with the managers – look, Taz – is like might be the best promo in wrestling. Jake Roberts, shaky on the live stuff, great on the pre-tapes. Um, but the thing about the managers is I think they let them talk too much. I want to hear from the wrestlers too. Like I have no problem with Taz talking for Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, but those two guys, especially Starks, yeah, can Starks talk a little talk. Yeah. You know, so so it's like let Taz talk a little, but then hand the mic to Cage and talk some shit to Lance Archer. You can let Taz do the do the brunt of the work. Cage only has to say two or three intimidating words, but it feels like a lot of the times when the AEW managers are talking, they're setting up a match against each other. I feel like Taz and Jake Roberts should have a match now. I shouldn't feel like that. The focus should be on Cage and Archer having a match, and they have worked, you know, and they have done that too. But it's just oftentimes I feel like they're setting up a match between the managers. You know, it was the same idea with uh, who was it with Arn Anderson? Was it Taz? Uh no it was, it was it was it was Roberts it was Roberts and Anderson yeah it was it's like Roberts two dudes that cannot get in the wrestling ring and you're like man I want to see these guys go at it yeah it's like let the other two guys talk you know what I mean so I think they do that's the one issue I have with the managers uh maybe they do a little too much of the talk why doesn't Jake Roberts hand that mic to Lance Archer and just let him say kill them all or some shit he doesn't have to say a million words but he has proven it he's a decent promo too remember that promo he cut for Wrestle Kingdom it was incredible. You know, that vignette with the fire in the backyard and everything. I don't know if you remember it, but, um, but, he, you oh, know, no, no. Yeah, guy. definitely. Definitely do. Yeah. And he's a guy who can talk. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I am, I am interested. And don't forget the winner of this gets title shot. So there's some stakes on top of all the storylines that they have going on. Uh, another match here, eight man tag, the dark order, Brody Lee, Cole Cabana, evil Uno, and Stu Grayson versus Matt Cardona, Scorpio sky, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall. I, uh, can't say that I'm excited for this one, but yeah, just a little mid card match. I mean, it's fine. Now, hopefully, it's eight minutes in and out. You know what I mean? Like that's fine. They did the angle two weeks ago. If you're counting Matt Cardona appearances, technically, this is appearance number four, which means that's it for him. That's done, right? Yeah, yeah. He had four, but two of those appearances were at the same taping, so I don't know how his <laughs> yeah, worked. yeah, right. But you, it would stand the reason that he would finish up at the pay per view, right? Where they would say, okay. Let's agree on a number of dates and have you finish up 
at the uh, at the pay per view. That would make the most sense. So I'm I'm guessing this is it for him. Um, you know, a little short term deal. We've already talked about it. I have no problem with it. It's not who you sign; it's how you use them. And he's a mid card guy in a little mid card match, so it does no harm. And if it adds a couple of pay per view buys, you know, uh, no harm, no foul. Uh, Jurassic Express, this match I'm actually looking forward to a lot. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus the Young Bucks. So I'm really interested to see this one. I think it's a great showcase. Uh, some people are going to say Jungle Boy initially, but I think Luchasaurus is a great showcase for him with all these guys bouncing all around. And and you know how the Young Bucks like to sell for these guys. Like I hope that that's the goal of this match. Not necessarily to get Jungle Boy over to make Jungle Boy look like a million bucks. There's things you could do there. But the goal to me would be have Luchasaurus get in there and just fucking destroy the Bucks when he's in the ring. Toss them all over the ring, big shots, all this sort of stuff. Because it's time to, I, I think you're, you're getting close to the time when you want to start to move him up a little bit. And I think have him at least become a serious player, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, with, with the Omega and Page and, and FTR in the title match, it kind of left the Bucks out. And this feels like just shoehorning them onto the show. You're not going to have a pay per view without the Bucks. So you put them in there with the Jurassic Express. I'm sure the match will be great. It has a chance to be the best match on the show. In fact, it probably will be the best match on the show. I mean, you know, it'd be the odds-on favorite, right? I mean, it's the Bucks. Their matches are always great. And, you know, it's a pay-per-view match, and I think those two guys can hang with them. Um, so, I don't know. Um, it just doesn't feel like, like, why is the match happening from a kayfabe perspective? There's no, I don't have an answer to that. But sometimes you just have a match to have a match. I mean... Is it possible that we get wrapped up in this idea that every match has to have a backstory? That's a question. Yeah, no, I think... One. I'm yeah, curious. yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> so I was going to wait and see if it was a, a question. Or a, yeah. Um, no, I think, yeah, I, I think there's... We do, I think, think that every single match needs to have a build, and sometimes you don't need to do that, and I think sometimes wrestling companies do fall into that trap of thinking that every single match needs to have a long build and has to have a reason, but sometimes it's just, hey, this team versus this team to find out who's better and move up the ladder, move up the rankings, and that's where you can use that ranking system as sort of the crutch. We talked about it when AEW first did it, is that's why you have a ranking system, because then that can be the booking. That a match can simply happen because this guy's number four and that guy's number five, and now we got to find out who's the true, you know, who's going to move up the ladder and who's going to go down. And that stuff's fine. Like that, you can definitely do that. And I guess that's kind of the sell that we have here. And I don't really mind it. Like it's fine with me. I don't really care. I don't need everything to have a story. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. It's a lower card match. I mean, it's not one of the money matches on the show. Um, you know, in WCW throughout the '90s, and I'm not talking about Nitro era, but even the Nitro era too, to be honest. Would often have matches like this, especially in the early nineties. Oh just yeah, dude, go watch card. Halloween Havoc yeah, ninety one like, or you know what I mean, like whatever. And it's yeah, half the undercard is just like, well, these two guys are gonna face each other because they're gonna determine who's back. You know, what I mean? it's like there's nothing to it. It's just you know, this guy versus this guy. Okay, cool. This guy won. And All right. And I think sometimes that's fine. And I, and that that's kind of the feel that this match has for me. Well, to me, you want you want stories to be in your your upper card, your oh, main card. Sure. The, the hooks yeah. there is absolutely what you want to do. And yeah, if the undercard is just you know a showcase match or a match between two guys, or yeah, use the rankings. As I said, that's that's where I think the, the best way to do it. Every every match does mean something in the grand scheme of things because you're, you're you're vying to move up the rankings and move up the ladder. So, you know, ECW um, during their pay per view era used to Heyman used to do that too, where some of the undercard stuff would just be this is a cool match. Yeah. This is just two guys. That, I a think special attraction match, match, he would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so, um, no, I don't. I just wanted your take on that because this is clearly a match that has no build whatsoever. It's just two teams that aren't involved in anything right now. So, 
let's just have a cool match. Uh, and then we'll move on to the final two matches here. Broken rules match if Jeff Hardy or Matt Hardy loses, not Jeff Hardy. Uh, he must leave AEW. Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. So does Matt Hardy lose and do the Midnight Rider, the bullet think gimmick? Oh, so, yeah. Or does he. Under one of his other personas. Yeah, I was going to say, does broken Matt Hardy count as Matt Hardy? It's like, ugh. Right. But, I'm kind of dreading this, unfortunately. I'll be honest. So am I. And But the flip side to that is this is also a company that has promised to really adhere to stipulations. And they set the tone with Cody lost. Yeah, MJF. right, right, right. And and it appears as though they're going to stick to that. So using a backdoor loophole to get out of your second stipulation match ever, to me, is not a real good look. No. No, they got so, they got to adhere to it in some way. So, I mean, um, I'll, be honest, I'll be honest. If Matt Hardy goes away, <laughs> no tears for me. So, And, unfortunately, we know he's not going away. Yeah. I would love for him to go away. I, I have no use for him. Um, but, you know, they're paying him a lot of money, and they think he's a star, and it is what it is. And, you know, so for that reason, I think that Hardy's going to win. So. Because I, I don't think they want to backdoor the stip. No, no. I, I even doing the Midnight Rider thing is kind of a little bit of a semi bullshit thing. Like, yeah, we always talked about it too with the Cody thing. Is like, you know, three years down the line, you can have a guy goat Cody into the challenge. And say, I know you can't go for the title, but like, and like, there's a way you can do it where I think people won't feel like they were cheated with that stipulation. Yeah. But if Matt Hardy loses this match and comes back two weeks later in a mask, it's going to be like, all right, like, you don't want to yes. do that. You you want to adhere to stipulations. They and they claim they're going to. They claim that they want to. So, right. you know, got to do it here. So- so Hardy's not leaving, and I don't think they want to backdoor it, so I think he's going to win. And then uh, Britt Baker versus Big Swole in a tooth and nail match, Joe. This is apparently going to be cinematic. It's going to be on the pre-show, and there's a 100% chance you and I are going to think it sucks. So, Yeah, so, you know, there, there was a lot of outrage, you know, when it was announced it was going to be on the pre-show, and I kind of understand because they've been building this match since March, and it's the biggest, you know, Britt's the biggest women's star that they still have available to them. And they announced it's going to be on the buy-in. But the explanation that Tony Khan gave on the media call today, I just kind of shook my head and I said, all right, that all makes sense. Because number one, Britt is still not physically 100% and can't do everything she wants to do physically with two injuries, the broken nose and the leg, both of which are shoot injuries and not any kind of kayfabe injuries or, or anything like that. So, and number two, you know, because of that, they're doing a cinematic match. And with paying customers in the building and the fact that Britt can't really do a real match and they're doing a cinematic match, it kind of makes sense to kind of just do that on the pre-show. Yeah, in, in, in one way, yeah. Like, I, I thought his explanation definitely. Because I, I was thinking, too, I'm like, man, it's cinematic. That kind of sucks. And it's on the pre-show. That kind of sucks. But his, his what he's basically telling you is that Britt Baker's a fucking star. We need to find some way to get around the show. Uh, and, and get eyeballs on the show, and she's one of the best stars of our women's division, which, again, it, discussion for a different day or whatever, but she's I get it. She's number one right now, unquestionably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, gotta get, you try to get her on the show one way or another. She's not totally healthy. How do you do this? Well, the best way to do it, then, is uh, some cinematic match and then kind of bury it or hide it on the pre-show, which, again, I don't hate, so I'm okay with it, to be honest. Because the idea being that a cinematic match will grind the show to a halt if you just stick it on the middle yeah, of the exactly. show. Exactly, right, right, right. And, and that makes a lot of sense. And if you remember, the um, stadium stampede was the last match. So it's like you could see that their philosophy is if we're going to do these goofy cinematic matches, we're not going to put them in the middle of the show where it's going to grind, especially with fans in the building. Because then your fans are just sitting on their hands watching a screen for 20 minutes in the middle of your show. 
So, you know, I under, look, I get it. And it, yeah, it's a way to shoehorn Britt onto the show when she's not 100% physically ready to go. I don't want to see a cinematic match, um, but it is what it is. That's their way to get around it and still pay off this feud. Um, you know, the, the other thing is he also did note that originally Britt versus Swole was scheduled for the main show, but but a match, like to have a real match. But because they can't have the real match, that changed all the thinking, and that's why it was moved to the pre-show. Yeah. All right, so that is all out. Again, as we said, we're going to do an instant reaction immediately following uh, the show on Saturday. So voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon, patreon.com slash voiceofwrestling. The $10 tier is how you're going to want to listen to that instant reaction immediately after all out. We'll also have a preview up on the website, uh, voiceofwrestling.com, as well as a review. But uh, So we have a few more topics to get to, but before we do that, Joe, I want to let you know that it is summertime, and you know this from last week, and that means... Only one thing. It's winning season at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more at my bookie. Winning season is all about your chance to win big. You can bet the NBA playoffs. They're hot and heavy right now. NHL playoffs. Incredible action going on in the NHL as well. MLB, UFC, NFL is on the horizon. So much stuff. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. And at my bookie, it's simple. You make your picks, you win big, and you collect your cash. You can invest in your intuition. You select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. You can put that big brain of yours to good use. You use promo code VOW and you double your first deposit. Again, that's promo code VOW. Double your first deposit. If you pay $100, they pay $100. A 100% deposit match. Double your deposit. You cannot beat that up to $1,000. You put $1,000 in, they put $1,000 in. That's unbelievable. At, at promo code VOW, double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 in free play uh, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, parlays, all those are there. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory because winning season begins today. Only at my bookie again. Promo code VOW to double your first deposit up to one thousand dollars. So, I cross sport wagers, man. That's that's got me really interested. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Like, cause there's so much going on. You know, what, you know, betting a betting a basketball game, a hockey game, and a baseball game at the same time sounds fucking incredible. So I need to I need to start doing that a little bit more. But I've been dabbling in a little bit of NBA betting and. and doing okay i can't lie ah, i mean little little I'm, I'm 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 not a gambler at all i'm not a, i'm not a big time swinger but you know a few bucks here and there it's been pretty fun so oh that that my bookie bonus i mean you gotta go out there and get I it put 10 bucks know? in they put 10 bucks in. i went okay now i have 20 i played around a little bit you know we'll denver nuggets yeah. helped me out a little bit so that's you know i got a, I got a couple bucks in the air tonight oh nice you know, you never say. You never say. Boy, you can't say. No, no I will. But. My boy Dylan Cease. I don't know what the score is, but oh, nice. Yeah, you're 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 a Dylan Cease fan. I like it. So, listen, I told you about Cease before the season started. You you're always such a downer about your own teams. No, this year I wasn't. No, no, no. This year I was into the White Sox. You called them a nice little fourth starter. <laughs> well, yes, that's what you call them. What's this? Let me find. It's this five game. one, five one Sox. So, oh baby, bottom of the third. So he's got you a nice little cushion. Gotta, you got to consult me before these games start, you know? Got a couple bucks on the cease tonight. He is so far, yeah, so. he's got the... You know what's tricky about betting baseball? That You know, you're really betting the pitchers, right? Mm. And then these, then these bullpens fuck you. That's the worst part about betting baseball. You know, because you make the right decisions, and your guy leaves the game, you know, after six and two-thirds, and he's ahead, and you're like, I'm a genius. And then uh, the bullpens can screw you. It's the one sport where it's like, you know, you, you make a bad football or basketball play, 
it's just the team screwing you. You made a bad play. Baseball, you're betting the pitcher, and then it's out of the pitcher's hands once he leaves the game. Yeah, it's also but use sports. my bookie bet on baseball. Yeah, do that absolutely. right now. Do it yeah. absolutely. Promo code VOW. Yeah, the, the other problem with baseball too is just like the best teams still lose a shit ton of time. So it's like, you know, it's it's really difficult. You know, even the best team, like you could bet the Dodgers every single game and you're going to lose a shit ton of times because they're also going to lose a shit ton of times too. But like you said, the worst is, yeah, the guy leaves, you know, you know, Dallas Keuchel, on, on the, he's been having these troubles with the White Sox where he'll leave the game and it's like 4-1 in the seventh and you're like, oh, perfect. He did everything he needed to do. And then boom, <laughs> you know, by the ninth inning, it's it's 4-4 and you're like, what the fuck? Like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, Keuchel's using that devil magic. He's averaging like, Three strikeouts per nine inning, and he's, uh, you know, is this going to come back and bite him in the ass or what? He's not striking uh, It's it's been tricky, but he's done it so far. But yeah, it's uh, all location, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's got to be very nervous. I will tell you that. There's always guys on base. There's always like <laughs> the bases are always loaded with one out, and I'm like, oh no, this isn't good. And then he gets out of it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> he's pitching like a 1960s ace with no strike. You know, it's yeah. like uh, Lou Burdett. You remember Lou Burdett? Probably I don't not. remember Lou Burdett, Joe. I was. If, if you- I don't remember him either, but I'm. I'm a, <laughs> I was gonna say I was. I was I'm negative a, listen, thirty years. So you know, I'm a baseball historian, though. Lou Burdett, if you look him up, okay, I think he averaged something like uh, four strikeouts per nine inning. He is the most successful starting pitcher, probably of all time, who averaged less than four strikeouts per nine inning. I think he still won like two hundred games. I think he was the uh, World Series MVP one year. He just didn't strike anybody out. I mean, it's very hard to win games when you're not striking anybody out. Yeah, I'm looking uh, here, in, uh, in 1959, he won 21 games, led the league, and he also led the league in hits allowed. <laughs> and, and runs allowed and home runs allowed. See, I know my Lou Burdett. You yeah. know, that's, that's 20, my Dallas 21 wins. Uh, well, I mean, I, well, he won a lot, but he, I guess he wasn't a very good pitcher, actually, if you look at the... Yeah. Well, you look at his career, and he lasted forever despite the fact he didn't strike anybody out. Look at some of his strikeout tolls. He'd strike out like 80 guys a year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, even into the 60s, yeah, he's got 90 strikeouts this year. 300 innings, 90 strikeouts. Yeah, you know, like, you know. Uh, Luberdet. There you go. Come, come for the AEW uh, preview stay for Luberdet. So. What was his career ERA? I closed out. It was somewhere around the fours. It wasn't very good. So. No, hold on. What, yeah, but I wanted to know what his uh, – I wanted to get deep on Luberdet here. Hold on. I you want to get the ERA plus? I got it up. What do, what do you need here? So give me Luberdet's ERA. Uh, his ERA career, 3.66. What was his uh, adjusted ERA? Uh, what, 99. So, league so average. Firm, firmly, aver- firmly league average. What was his FIP? Was he beating his FIP? Uh, 368. So, slightly. Right on the money. Yeah, right on the money there. So, And what was his, I bet you his uh, strikeouts per nine were under four per nine. Let's see. 3.2. <laughs> see, this is what I'm saying. Like That's wild. If, yeah. <laughs> If you're averaging 3.2 strikeouts per nine innings, Rich, you should not pitch for 18 years and win 200 games. That's my point. I'm not saying he was Tom Seaver, who just passed away, by the way, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But that is one hell of a career when you're averaging 3.2 strikeouts per game. I mean, you can't do that. Could you imagine that today? There's no way. Well, Dallas Keuchel for right now, so. That's right. That's where the Dallas But it's not going to last comes. long. <laughs> I don't think it's going to last long, so hopefully he finds another But I bet you Keuchel is striking out Double the batters of Luberdet. Oh, no, What's no, his yeah. strikeout rate? No, it's it's, it's... Probably, probably like six, which is low for 2020. I'm looking up right now. Nobody, nobody cares. Uh, 5.6, 5.6, which is really towing that line there. But Really towing? That is so – He's also not giving up any home runs. 0.4 home runs per nine, which is like impossible. He's getting less than a half of a home run per nine innings. This is why I'm saying – 
do you think it'll catch up to Kaiko? Yeah, or sure. <laughs> but you got that, but see, it's a short season. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's throwing a heavy ball. All you got to be good. At, you got to just got to be good for two months. That's all we need. So yeah, that's right. So just keep spotting that location. You know, Burdett won twenty games a couple of times, and I'm telling you, I think he was a World Series MVP. Uh, I want to say looks like he won with the uh, the yeah looks like with the Milwaukee the. What year did they they won in fifty 50- fifty nine? I think right. They won in no, they won the World Series in fifty seven. So I oh, think that's right. Fifty nine was the Dodgers. Yeah, I think he was the World Series. I I think he was the World Series MVP in sixty seven. I think he beat the Yankees like four times in in the fifty seven World Series, um, and and like didn't give up any runs. You know, with with again not striking anybody out, which is crazy. Um, all right, I got it in front of me. He was three and zero in the fifty seven World Series with a point uh, six seven ERA. World Series MVP. Do you think we do Luber Dead on this show? No, tonight, I didn't. Richard? And and somebody uh, stud muffin in their chat room can give us a wrestling hook. Do you know where Luber Dead was born? No clue. Nitro, West Virginia. Well, there you go. That's there why I go. brought up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you wanted me to uh, talk about uh, Summer Struggle and Jingu. It was a perfect uh, transition to Japanese. Rich, Rich, pro- be on- Rich, Rich, be honest. Did you ever hear of Luber Dead before? Um, I, I don't think I ever have. No, yeah. but I'm glad I did. You learned a little something. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I fancy myself a little baseball historian as well. And yeah, I never, I never heard of Luberdet before, but I'm glad, glad I'm looking at you it. You learned now. about a little 200 game winner who was a World Series MVP, had a nice little career. I'm sure he's dead, but uh, uh, he died in 2007. Yeah, so yeah. All right. Like how they say where he's buried. I like. I'm gonna go visit Luberdet's. You don't have to worry about Luberdet because he's cremated, apparently, according to Baseball Reference. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I like how they give that information. Yeah, born, died, buried. Buried, colon, cremated. Okay, great. <laughs> do you think people realize how good Tom Seaver was? or? or oh, no, like... yeah, they don't. Well, mostly because, like, he's a weirdo and kind of left the baseball world for a while. He didn't make himself, like, out in the open. But, yeah, Tom Seaver fucking rocks and pitched for, like, 25 years, too. It's incredible. 20 years, sub-3 ERA for the course of his career. Oh, yeah, just... like, the entire decade of the 70s, the late 60s and the, in, in the early 70s. He was incredible for, like, a decade. Three Cy Youngs. I think he was rookie of the year. Uh, I think he's still like sixth all time in strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is legitimately three hundred game winner. One of the greatest pitchers of all time. I mean, legitimately, you know. And I, I know he he held the record for uh, uh, Hall of Fame vote percentage for a long time. I think until Griffey. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I think he was like ninety eight percent, and I think Griffey topped him. And now I think Jeter. I think Mariano Rivera had first guy to get a hundred percent. So a couple guys have. But but for for decades he had he held the record for highest percentage of Hall of Fame votes. I mean Tom Seaver was fucking great. I mean you could put him, you can make a legitimate case. I mean if you did an all time twenty five, he'd be in the starting rotation of a team if you put together the greatest team of all time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I don't think most people would put him there, but he absolutely is if you look at the numbers. And... Could, yeah, I mean you could definitely make a case. He's one of the five greatest starting pitchers of all time. I mean, um, you know, spe- you know it's. It's as a right-handed pitcher too. I mean, you know, so I don't know, but he died. I think he uh, he had dementia, so that's a horrible. No, you know what it was? He had dementia, but coronavirus took yeah, him out. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, you know, another victim of the COVID. Well, that's a hell of a transition into summer struggle in Jingu. Uh, I guess old oh, baseball. It was at a baseball stadium. There we go, baseball stadium. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, evil. The reign of evil is over. Tetsuya Naito defeats evil, wins the title back. All is. I guess right with the world. We had fireworks going off. Naito's back on top. Evil's done. 
for now. The nightmare is over. The nightmare is, is over, thank God. So yeah, we, were, we were a little worried last week, and, and I'm still a little worried. I mean, again, people think he's getting kicked down to the fucking lower card. He's not. I think he's he's in the mix at least a little bit, but I'm I'm very, very glad we're getting Naito back. And it's it's the thing is, and, and again, this match as well, I, I don't know what your thought was in the match. We didn't talk about it. I thought it was subpar, as usual. Um, I just, these evil matches, just, they, they don't, I'm just not interested. I Nothing matters in them. I have no reason to care about them. I don't think the work's particularly great. I thought Naito was really good in this match. I thought he looked really, really, really good. I uh, was doing as much as he could to get a good match out of Evil, but I just don't think Evil's main event quality. Sorry. If he's going to do 30-minute matches, I, I, you know, I don't know. Well, I want to see him, because he's a top guy now. I mean, I agree with you. I think people who think he's going to... Yeah, people think he's going to be in there in, with fucking Tenzon and tag matches and shit. It's like, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. Top guy now. Top guy. Um... The thing is, I don't think if he doesn't, if he gets away from this style of match, I think maybe this style of match was just for this run, and maybe it won't be so heavy on the uh, on the heel antics, um, or maybe it will be, and that'll just be torture. Yeah, we'll In find fact, out during this G one. The G one will tell us yes. a lot, unfortunately, for better or for worse. Yeah, because I think Evil's a guy who can have great matches if he just goes out there and has matches. Yeah, he's done that before. I mean, there was a few years ago, yeah. I think he had a G1 that was really, really good. And there, yeah, there, there was there was a time with either 17 or 18 where he was, like, legitimately good. And, like, we, we would come out of the show and talk about, oh, man, he's 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 coming around where we're there. And then 19, I don't know what the hell happened last year. It wasn't good. And I, I know the mileage may vary on, on, on some of these, but, like, the consensus is that these are not great matches either. And, and I have not liked any of them, to be honest, any of his main event matches. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, so oh, six one White Sox now. By the way, uh, bottom of the fourth. I'm counting the money already, Rich. I'm counting. <laughs> you gotta money. be careful. Gotta be. It's careful. just dangerous. Listen, I that know bullpen's not great. Believe me, I know not to count your money when you gamble, but I'm counting the money. I want that. Gr- I want that beverage fridge for my garage. That's what I want. I want that beverage fridge in the garage. You know why? When I was growing up. Everyone who had more money than my family had a beverage fridge in their garage. I see it as like a status symbol. You know, you go over someone's house when you're a kid and they're like, hey, you want a soda? And it's fully like, stocked. Yeah, that was always the, like, that yeah, was the sure. Yeah. But they don't go in the kitchen for it. Oh, no. They go in the garage into the beverage fridge and they open it up and there's like hundreds of sodas and beers and waters in the beverage fridge in the garage. I want that. I want the beverage fridge because I it, this is some psychological thing. A psychiatrist could probably really get deep into my head and figure out why I need this beverage fridge, but I want one. And I'm counting the money. Dylan Cease is going to get me my beverage fridge, Rich. That's what's going to happen tonight. So, uh, but yeah, Evil, I think that, you know, he's capable of just going out there and having good matches. But, um, you know, and maybe this was just to establish the character. But look, now we could have great IWGP heavyweight title matches again with Naito on top. We got the G1 coming. I thought this match fucking stunk. I mean, there were blown spots. Um, I think as we speak even now, Evil is throwing Naito into an unexposed turnbuckle again. How many times did he throw Naito into an unexposed Yeah, it looks like they ran out of ideas and then just said, I'll just do it again, I guess. <laughs> I mean, geez. And, and, and then they just were blowing spot after spot. You know, there was that ugly spot where Evil kind of got lost in the moment and didn't know what to do, so he just took the referee and threw him out of the ring and, and – why How isn't that just that? Yeah, why is that not a disqualification? I couldn't. I'm watching this live. I I, I woke up live and, and and watched this, 
And, you know, even, like, Kevin Kelly and, and Chris Charlton are like, what the hell is that? Like, isn't that a disqualification? They're like, well, they're probably going to call it disqualification. And Richard just gets back in the ring and it's just business as usual. And I'm like, well, just, it was just It was a screwed up spot. I think that th- there was supposed to be a ref bump and something I think wrong. I think Evil was supposed to throw Naito into the referee, but he just ended up tackling the referee. And I'm like, well, that's a disqualification, right? Ah, it's just the, the match that just got stunk. ugly at yeah, a couple points. Stunk. And it's like, I, I don't know. I thought the match wasn't good at all. But um, uh, three point three nine you know, is what it is on Grapple right now too. So that's I mean, eh, I'm at three and know. a quarter, so I'm right there. So it's not like I'm you know <laughs> off the rails, you know, with my yeah. I mean, I'd give it like three. It's like a three. I give it a three, yeah. three star. Yeah. I I hadn't rated so it, we're but not, we're know. not like against the consensus there. In a lot of it's ways. just a match that had some messy spots and and it looked like Evil was confused at points. I don't know. I just I, I they weren't on the same page. Um. So I don't know. Um, didn't like the match, but whatever. Naito's got the title back. We're going into G one. I mean, I think Okada's winning. I mean, it's got to be Okada or Abushi winning the G one, right? I mean, yeah, I'd, li- I'd um, like either one of those two. Uh, I think are both guys that that, that I'd like. Um, I think you can do. I think Okada Naito would draw again. I mean, here's the thing though: we don't know if we're getting a full dome or not, and it doesn't look like we're going to. So. I don't know. Let's let's talk about the G one when it gets here. Yeah, we got to see all the names and the blocks um, and all that sort of stuff, which we should hopefully get pretty soon here because we're 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 getting right up to it. And I do wonder if they're kind of waiting and seeing about you know who can come over if you know a Jay White can come over type thing. Well, uh, Jay Cast this week we should plug that. Did talk about that. They got a little bit of info. I I got together with uh, Joel and we compared our our var- the info that we've each gotten and because um, we got a tentative list and of, of g1 participants a couple like early august which included no foreigners and now the idea is um there's a possibility that there will be some foreigners in the g1 uh there's 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 a rumor that you know one very high fo- profile foreigner is already in the country waiting out the quarantine um i don't know if that's true or not but that's a strong rumor floating around dark twitter and some other places so that would completely change the G1 field that we were sent uh, that didn't include any foreigners. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and that will be announced soon, presumably. And I don't have a lot of time here. I mean, maybe even on this tour. I, I don't That's know. That's what I'm saying. They got it. I mean, we're, we're right up against it here. And I got to get this fucking pick thing going. <laughs> so let's go, guys. Let's get this tour. Let's get these schedules. Let's go. We got things we got to do. We got schedules we got to make. So, um, But, no, they're running out of time. I mean, like, yeah, we're, we're right up against it here. So. Yeah, so um lost my train of thought. So I guess we were talking about G1, but um, we should probably just swing back to Jingu here. Yeah, but, so uh, anything else on the on the main event or other than just we're glad that the yeah, thing's done. A, so. It's kind of a relief. I mean, but the other thing is, too, like if he held it through G1, that really wouldn't have been a big deal because you don't really have title matches anyway. You know, so from that perspective. But it's whatever. They got the title off of him. I think they did this to establish him as a top guy. And like you said, I think the G1 is big, and we'll see what his style is going to be when we're watching him wrestle every single night during the G1. <laughs> right now, not uh, not confident, but we'll see how, how it ends up going. But yeah, I, I'd like a little bit more inventive, and, and I think Evil style is definitely more conducive to like you know 15-minute type matches than these 20, 30-minute things. He just can't that will help, that and that's, and that's yeah. what he'll do in G1, so that'll help. Um, but you think you're going to get a lot of dick punching and yeah, yeah, we'll know pretty early. I think we'll know with the first night yeah. if like, ah, fuck, we're getting dick punches and garrote wires and shit. And it's just, I don't, I don't want it, <laughs> you know, like, and, and you know, I, I, it's just not what I want. And again, I'm 
fucking consistent as hell because since 2014, 15, I've been saying I'm annoyed at the Bullet Club and I want them to go away and I'm sick of this shit in my New Japan for wrestling. So, um, you know what I don't want? And that's Tim Anderson kicking the ball around at shortstop here. I mean, <laughs> clean plays, please. Let's just get out of this. Um, man, am I a mush? Watch me mush this game. Yeah, please come on. And I just stop betting on my team. Get out of here. Routine ground ball. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, yeah, that better be an E6. What else would it be? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Tag right team title match. Get out of here. Uh, tag team title oh. match. Dangerous Tuckers, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeat Golden Ace. So, you're there, Rich. Yes, yeah, sorry. I cut out for a sec there. Yeah, you did cut out I, for I, a sec. I hit the mute button on my thing and I didn't mean to. So, sorry. So, it looks like. What Golden did you Ace... hear or what it, what, what it cut out? Nothing. I heard you say that uh, Golden Techers defeated Golden Ace. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Retain, the, retain the titles. I, I, dangerous Techers, rather. Or Dangerous Techers, yeah. To retain the titles. They, and so uh, that's it for Tanashi and Ibushi. They have now went their separate ways for right now. So, Yeah, and you know, it wasn't some, you know, like one guy has to turn on the other. It's just Ibushi is tired of this dude because he stinks, which is interesting. You know, it's not like Ibushi attacked him and turned heel or anything like that. It's just Tanahashi keeps losing. Abushi always has this look on his face like, oh, this fucking guy cannot hold up his end of the deal. And then Abushi is just like, you know what? You know, Tanahashi's like, you know what? I'm going to work on things. I'm going to get back to your level. And Abushi's like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you? Well, maybe if you get to this level, we'll talk, but I don't think it's going to happen. So bye. Yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think we should, you know, move on. He's right. And, and I, uh, I, I can't disagree either. Not that I, I, I still love Tanahashi, of course, but yeah, I want so much more out of Ibushi right now in New Japan, and, and I think they need Murata right right now, and I think he's so valuable to the company right now that, yeah, I think it's the right time for this to happen. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah, so it's better to have him in a singles role, and, uh, you know, and that and it looks like it appears that this, this program is over. They've only wrestled, like, twice. It seems like they've wrestled a million times because... They were in all of the tags together on all of those Corkins and everything, and it because with the small roster and it was time for this feud to end, though, you know, because you know when you factor in COVID, it's been going on the entire year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you kind of have to count that, you know, three months that they were gone, but yeah, it's it, it does feel like it is infinite uh, in that way. So, uh, what do you think of the match itself, though? I, I went uh, three and a, or three and a half with it. I thought it was good. I've seen some people really, really like it. I don't think I really liked it that much, but I thought it was solid. Has a decent little match. I mean, I'm just so worn out on these two teams wrestling each yeah, other. Yeah, that's the same way I'm listening. Um, and I didn't think it was a great match anyway. I just I, I thought it was a it was a good it was a good match a good match. I'll uh, move on to the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Taiji Ishimori defeats Hiromu Takahashi to become uh, the new champion. What do you think of uh, Ishimori and, and, and Hiromu? It was really good. You know, um, low level notebook. I think I went four flat. Yeah, I went four and a quarter, just above. Yeah. You know, really good match. It, it delivered exactly what I thought it would deliver at. You know, if it if it over-delivered, you'd be talking like match of the year. You know, and these two guys are capable of doing that with each other. We know that. Um, it wasn't that, but it was a it was an excellent match. And the title change surprised me. A lot of the results on this show surprised me a little bit. But it's like... It felt like a major reset show. That, like, we were did. just kind of playing out the strings of COVID. And now, even though, you know, we're not done. We're not done with it. COVID's still here, but, like... 
we're going to now move in whatever. Like, it just felt like they said, okay, let's just, you know, finish these stories, get this. And now they feel like definitely that we're on a different path now, that, that everything's kind of reset, everyone's on there. And that does typically happen before a G1 anyway, but now it feels even more deliberate on the show where it's like so many different results. We're like, oh, okay, all right. Like, you know, Tanashi Nabushi, that's done. Evil doesn't have the title anymore. You know, Hiromu's out of the, the title picture for right now for the junior heavyweight title. We'll talk about Shingo in a bit. And I like that. I like the idea that now it's like, a lot of these people, I, I assume these title losses are elevations in a lot of way, where now Hiromu maybe takes that step up and, and no longer needs this title, which would be fine for me, you know. It's it The show definitely injected new life into New Japan, this show. Um, I feel way more optimistic about New Japan coming out of this show than I did coming into it. And you said something real smart. A lot of times losing a title in New Japan is the start of an elevation. And that could be so. Hiromu losing does this mean he's going to be in G one? I think that I mean, at least it keeps the possibility open that maybe if they don't have the guys that they want to have and, and you need to have a spot for Hiromu, yeah, I, I, I think it it at least sets it up for it, or it just straight up makes it possible that he's in the G one, which would be awesome if he is because that, yeah, that raised the water level a lot of the G one, right? And then freeing up your junior title, you know, to not be locked up in the G one and whatnot. Uh, you know, it's uh, and plus, you know, they have this junior tag team tournament going on on the tour that starts tonight you know uh with the league that little league they're running with the four teams and Hiromu's part of that so you know maybe Hiromu and Bushi win the, the tag titles who knows uh maybe he'll be in the G1 the thing with Hiromu in the G1 is he's gonna have to lose at least minimum. he's gonna lose a lot yeah well he'd have to lose at minimum three or four matches because they're not gonna give him some mega push in the G1 just not gonna happen so do you want Hiromu losing four or five matches? Because that's probably what would happen. And I don't know if necessarily they want that. Yeah, to me, I, I wouldn't mind that because I think he is now elevating from the junior up. Like, we, we talked about it with last year with Shingo, remember? And Will Ospreay. Yeah, exactly. Were those guys, and we said last year, everybody was giving us, you know, we had the G1 pick and people were picking 12 wins for Ospreay and, and 14 wins for Shingo. And, and I'm like, guys, nah. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen that way because that's not how they book. The hierarchy is that, you know, he's now elevated past the junior. Now he's up to this division, but he doesn't just jump to this division and dominate right away. Now he's got to take his lumps in this division before he's ready to do. Yeah, so I would think that. And I'd book that way. I, would, I wouldn't be f- fearful of that either. I'd put Roman in the G1. I'd have him get a few big wins here and there, but ultimately, you know, be middle of the pack, you know, lose, you know, three or four times or whatever. And then, yeah, you've, you've set up, you know, a f- some future matches and you set up that, okay, he's now firmly established in, you know, quote unquote, the heavyweight division or whatever. And then whatever you want to do over the next year, you, you can do that. And, and they did that last year with Shingo. They did it last year with Will. And obviously a lot of things got in the way and a lot of things, you know, upset the, uh, you know, the whole direction, but you know, ultimately, yeah, no, I, I, I would do that. And I would not be fearful if he takes his lumps. For reference, Willow spray went four and five. Yeah. And, the, the, but the most important thing is he beat Tanahashi. That's really all that mattered. Like, you know, the matches against Fale and Archer or whatever, none of that matters. All that matters is he beat Tanahashi. Right, that and that's what you want to do with Hiromu, is have him get two wins that really stick out and that they can use forever. And if he drops a fall to, you know, whoever, insert name here, it's not going to matter. No one's going to care if he loses to Bad Luck Fale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or he loses to Evil. You know, you know there, there's ways that you can get around that that it doesn't really matter so much. So Yeah, so, so we'll have to see on that. But, um, you know, excellent match. And they just don't have a lot of juniors to work with right now. You know, evidenced by when you look at that tournament, like Gato is in it. I mean, yeah, that says enough. That says enough. Yeah, there's only four teams and Gato is in one of them. And it's like, you know, and it's a it's a little league with the four teams. And as as Rapongi 3K finally relinquishes the titles, um, 
which a lot of people told us wasn't going to happen, but we're going to have to chalk up a W on that one. Um, you, you couldn't keep those titles wrapped <laughs> he's up. He's not going to be guys. back for a year. Like It's a totally yeah, fucking I mean, ACL. Like He's not coming back. Like, honestly, I don't know why they waited so long. I don't know why. The day after, you know this guy's not coming back. The fuck do you think is going to happen? Yeah, they probably knew they were going to do it, but didn't want to announce it until the till the tournament was on the till the tour when the tournament. was I guess, start. yeah. I mean, but... that's you know what I mean. So um, yeah, I, I love the people. No, they'll just wait. Okay, they're going to wait till fucking next March. Like I don't think you're going to wait that long, guys. Like yeah, yeah. Um, is Dope's going to come out with one of the titles? But, yeah, I'm a tag team champion. <laughs> like... Show then show is another one. Do you put him in the G1? I mean, I guess it depends how many bodies you have. That's I'm saying. Like, I think there's a lot of guys that are in the reserves, and I'm assuming Hiromu is one of those, or Hiromu might be in. Show definitely strikes me as a guy that's like on the the cusp. And then if you can get uh, Will Ospreay, then of course he's he's in there and he takes to someone's spot. If you can get Jay White, then he's in or whatever. But if those guys can't get in, and Juice Robinson, of course, another one. If those guys can't get in, then yeah, I think you put Show up there. You do it. You you put as many people as you can. Fucking wait, be damned. I think as Will... long as they're a star of some level, I think they 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 should get in there. Will, Juice, Jay White, Cobb, those guys will be in if they get in the country. Yeah, of course. Oh, Cobb, another one, too. I forgot about him. I mean, they're a lot. Fale. Fale's a lock if he can get in the country. Um, You know, New Zealand, though, like, they were doing very well with the COVID, better than anyone on Earth. And then they had a couple more breakouts, so now they locked everything down again. So that's the problem with Fale. No one knows if he can get out. Um, So, you know, but, yeah, I would think that Sho is a guy who you have him there as a, you know – you need another body. If you can't get enough guys in, you put them in there. Um, but as far as this junior tag tournament, uh, quickly, do you have any feel for who might? It's got to be Despi and Kanemaru, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I've seen a lot of people say Bushi and, and, and Hiromu, and I get that, but I, I don't want Hiromu fucking around with those titles. I think he's he, I think he's above that at this point. I think he's above fucking Bushi, too, and I don't want to see goddamn Bushi with a stupid-ass T-shirt. Um, yeah. I want to see some stars. I want Hiromu to be with stars and be a star. And the more you hang out with a t-shirt lame ass, then you're not a star. You know, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I would say Kanemaru and Desperado seem like the best. Well, well, the Bullet Club team has no shot, so we can eliminate them right off the bat. Gato is not. <laughs> you don't know? Not one more run um, with the straps? Wato and Taguchi, I really think, based on this, you know. I don't hate that. I don't hate it, though, but no, I don't think. I, I, think, I, think, I think they think he's a geek. Yeah. I don't oh, they have, yeah, Kanemaru beat his ass, so no. It's it's. I think they think he's a geek. And if you look at how the tournament is laid out and booked, the the key match is Hiromu and Bushi versus Despi and yeah, Kanemaru. Yeah, right, so right, right. The only question is like, does that eliminate one of them, and then the other, then the winner faces Taguchi and Wato, or do we get two matches in a row of that matchup, which they did last year, I think, where they gave you two matches mm-hmm, in a row. Mm-hmm. So they do that. So I, I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those two teams. I think Despi and Kanemaru make the most sense. Yeah, they do. I, I, I don't mind the idea of Taguchi and, and, and Watto because I think it's a good way to get Watto on the right path. But, you know, after what we're going to talk about here in a bit, seeing that match and seeing how that result was, I'm kind of like, oh, well, they, they – Let's they, talk about that match right now since yeah. we're talking about it. What if what if the idea is Watto gets his revenge by beating Kanemaru in the final of this thing? I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. I think it's. I, think, honestly, I, I said this months ago. I said if you want to do something with Watto, strap him, and that's why I said get rid of these junior titles, get him off show, and 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 
injured Yo and move him to somebody that can get something out of him. And Taguchi and Watto was a team that I mentioned would be perfect to me because it, it, it tries to establish Watto, tries to get him going, and it gives Taguchi something to do. Who I, you know, wh- wh- whatever your mileage is on Taguchi, he's a prominent guy. They they treat him like a pretty prominent guy, and I think it's a fresh team. It's a team we haven't seen in that division for a while, and that's nothing against Desperado and, and, and Kanemura. I like those guys, but they feel like they've been the, the it's either been them or Rapungi 3K for for years now at, at this point. And it's like I I want some fresh you know blood in there, and Watto and Taguchi seem perfect for me, and it's a great way to establish Watto. So I th- honestly, if I was picking like what I would want to do, I would do that because I want to find out what I got in this guy. I want to find out if I have something in there. And I don't know if having Kanemaru and Desperado beat him again is a good way to really prove that, that you got something in him and just go right back to a match that we've seen or, or title, you know, to, you know, champions that we've seen a bunch of times already. So I would get risky and do Taguchi and Watto and, and, and see what you got. Yeah, because this singles match may not have been the end. It could have been the beginning That's of true. this yeah. story. Yeah. And, and, you know, Watto scores a big win to win the tag team titles and he pins Kanemaru in doing it. So, because that that's another result on this show that, that really surprised me. I thought Watto was going to beat Kanemaru because why not? It's Kanemaru. I mean, he's 44 years old or whatever, and it should be his role at this point to put new guys over. And then he won the fucking match, which I was happy about because I think Watto's a fucking geek. But, and, and Kanemaru is one of my favorite wrestlers. So, you know, just from a fan perspective, I was happy with the result. But then I'm thinking, you know, maybe this plays into the, the tag tournament. You know, after once they announce that, so so we'll see. Um, that was a decent little opener. I mean, I you know I liked it a lot. No, I liked it a lot. I, I liked that match a ton, and it, it, it's like I thought Watto was you know he's, he's again. I, you didn't I, think Watto stunk in that match? No, I thought, I thought he stunk, stunk, but I thought the layout of the match was really good. Does yeah. that make sense? I thought Kanemura yeah. was fucking tremendous in it, and he's such a great chicken shit asshole. That and he's so good, like yeah. he's so clean as a worker. You know, he's just such a great wrestler. You know, and he's so underrated. Well, and that's honestly why I kind of, I kind of think I want Watto and Taguchi to win those titles because then in my mind, Watto and Taguchi versus Kanemaru and Desperado, they they have that match. You know, over the next few months, and I think that would do a ton for Watto is to get in there with you know pros, pros, and just work his ass off and work his ass off and try to get good at becoming a babyface and all that sort of stuff and see what you got out of the guy because yeah, if you just I, I don't know I. I, I I, I wanna... agree, but isn't that what excursion is for? Like, shouldn't he be not be? A yeah, fan? but that didn't. I'm go so well. disappointed in this. Like, yeah. and a lot of it is a lot of it's the gimmick. Okay, if he didn't have this cringy gimmick, okay, if he was just like a straight laced protege of Hiroshi Tenzan. Yeah, I love that. I love guy that walks out with Tenzan rubbing his shoulders. Like that's to me, that's all yeah. you need out of this guy. But whatever. and maybe he struggles a little, but he's under the tutelage of Tenzan, you know. And it's like, but this gimmick. But maybe they think. This will appeal to children. Maybe they feel <laughs> <Four> like. <year-olds. laughs> like no, I'm being serious. No, what maybe... children? Children think he's a dork too, I'm sure. I'm just saying maybe they feel like this gimmick appeals to kids and maybe they could sell some merchandise off it. And and maybe they don't have. I, I Look, I know they don't have big plans for this guy. I mean, they just can't. But maybe they feel like it's a good guy to, you know, it's, it, it, you know, the, the guy who runs this company now was the head of a toy company. So, you know, he understands marketing and 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 selling gimmicks and shit like that. And maybe they think Master Watto is just – look, New Japan is not – look, Jushin Thunder Liger started off like that as something that was supposed to appeal to, kid, to kids and everything. Tiger Mask, same deal. You know, it, it was literally a fucking cartoon and they thought it would appeal to children. And, and you know, maybe that's the deal here. You know, <laughs> that's a nice set. comparing this guy to Jushin Thunder. Yeah, I was going to say maybe real, man. maybe reel no it in a little bit, Chief. But uh... <laughs> no pressure. But but same idea is what I'm saying. Like those guys just happen. 
like, you know, Sayama and Liger just happened to be fucking awesome and they ended up becoming, um, you know, enormous stars. But, you know, it's, it, it could be the same idea. I don't know. And maybe that's why they're going with this Master Watto thing. But it fucking stinks. The it's gimmick garbage. is cringe. Yeah, he looks like shit. I think, I think he's a sloppy worker. I mean, I, I see people putting over his I think he's sloppy. Um, yeah, it's somewhere what, in between. I, I, I was talking with some people earlier, and I, I think the problem right now is because there are some people that are critical and some people that think he sucks and some people that think he's the worst ever. And I don't think he's the worst ever. I think he's fine, but he's people, pretty sloppy. Now people, now people overcompensate. Yeah, and now he's like, oh, my God, look at this work. Oh, he's so great. Look at these kicks. They're awesome. And I'm like, they're really not, yeah. though. I mean, come on. Like, let's be honest. They're fine. He's perfectly fine at sometimes sloppy, and he needs a lot of work until he's ready to go. But now because there's so many people that think he's the worst ever that now we're, oh, my God, Master Watto, what a great performance. And it's like okay, really? I, I yeah, you always kind of get that yeah, where people have to pivot so hard the other way that then the take gets out of control. See, I think the gimmick strips away everything that was great about him because oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't I think in this gimmick he doesn't have that great underdog charisma that he had when he was a young lion. Well, yeah, because he's supposed to be some fucking grandmaster karate champion or whatever, and I liked the bet. I liked here's Kawato underdog guy, and that's what he yeah. said. Like the, the the protege of Hiroshi Tenzan, that would be awesome. Where like you know he just loses yes. a bunch, and Tenzan goes, all right, but here you know this is what you went, this is where you went wrong, and this is what you have to do next time. And then he goes next time, and maybe he gets a little bit better. And Tenzan goes, aha, yeah, there you go, we're getting it, we're getting it. That, that's going to get people behind him. I don't know, grandmaster karate champion with terrible blue hair is is really like. Yeah, you can't tell a, a wrestler with his kind of charisma. You can't tell me he's great. He should never be presented as great. He should be presented as as hardworking underdog. Is yeah. what he should because that, that, that's his strengths. And that yeah, kind of character. Yeah, Carl Fredericks gets to be able to be the fucking prodigy blue chipper. This right. guy's fucking incredible. Master Watto doesn't get to be a grandmaster karate champion when it's like. Or, <laughs> or is that the joke? And, and and that's another problem too is they might think that he's a dork and they gave him a dorky gimmick, but that sucks. I don't want that. Yeah, it doesn't play to his strengths. Anyway, we're wasting way too much time on Master Watson. Yeah, as usual, as as uh, we usually do. So okay, let's two more matches here, and then we gotta get into some other stuff. Uh, Minoru Suzuki, Shingo Takagi. This match fucking rocked. So good. Fifteen minutes. Minoru Suzuki defeats Shingo uh, to win the Never Openweight Championship. Just this felt to me like the first time that I was watching. New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it didn't matter that the crowd couldn't make noise or that they had to hit a button to cheer or boo or whatever. I just got lost in these two dudes just trying to kick the fucking shit out of each other. Yeah, and that's what they did. Um, not, there's not a ton to say. I mean, I think, to me, Shingo is carrying the COVID shows for New Japan. Yeah, Shingo's he, show, probably my favorite match of the COVID era, this match right up there. He's the best thing on every show, and he's just carrying these shows. And uh, This was a really good show. I enjoyed this show. And, you know, and, and the Shingo uh, Minoru Suzuki match really set the tone once we were done with the, you know, the, the opening match and then the four way <sighs> thing, which I didn't think was as bad as other people did. But I guess we can get to that. Um, then the Shingo match, I thought, set the tone. And then the junior match was really good. The tag match was solid. And the main event had the happy ending. And overall, I thought this was a really good show. I thought it was way better than the previous three shows. Um, I love the outdoor setting. This felt like a world class show in 1986 in, in, in fucking Texas State. <laughs> Texas State, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm waiting for one man gang to come out and wrestle Steve Simpson or something. It, it, it's just, I, I love the feel of the show. Um, and it really was, it, it, and I love the feel and the atmosphere and the fact that it wasn't loaded with undercard tags. It felt fresh. And then all of the surprise finishes and upsets 
really felt like it injected life into New Japan. This was a fun show to watch. You know, uh, even the matches that weren't so good, it was a fun show to watch. So, um, yeah, I really like Shingo Minoru Suzuki. I went four flat on it. Um, and I wasn't expecting Suzuki to win the title, but, um, you know, I'm okay with it. I don't think it's like a terrible decision or anything. It's, you know, it's whatever. And, and again, it, there's a lot of mystery going into G1. So, uh, and then we have the four way tournament final for the, uh, KOPW championship, seven minutes. Toriano defeats El Desperado, Sonata, and Okada. You so, thought it was terrible? I thought it was fucking trash, yeah. I just thought it was a match. I don't know. I mean, I didn't match. like it, but I just thought it was a match. I thought it was like a little two-and-a-half star, perfectly average match. Yeah, I don't I mean, want that. I don't I don't want Kazuchika Okada in two-and-a-half star little fucking I get matches. it. I get it. I totally <laughs> That's a fucking it. superstar. Look, you know what I mean? Like, look, no. We're I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I totally get it. Here, Here's my counter. And look, I'm not going to die on this hill, believe me. But wouldn't you rather have something like this than a fucking six-man tag that means nothing that you're just like... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to think at about least it. it was, at least it was different. You know? and That's again, a word. Yeah, different's a word. That's for sure. And, and at least it was a surprise. I mean, everyone thought Okada was going to win. And Yano punches him in the dick. You know why I like the finish? Because it immediately establishes that this dumb thing is not important. Because Yano won. It. Yes, yeah, I, and that I do agree with. That that did give me some relief because if Okada won it, I was like, oh dear God, this is going to be an important mm-hmm. thing. The second Yano won, I went, okay, cool. This is some bullshit dumb thing that's going to you know not matter whatsoever, and it's just going to be guys in elevators and shit. It's going to it's going to be the you know it's it's a DDT title at this point, which is fine. Like I was worried that if Okada won it, we we're going to get thirty five minute cage matches on New Japan shows. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, yeah. that's not what I want at all. But now it's firmly established that it's just a bullshit dumb thing, but. Um, I think it makes Okada look like a geek, and the far, the sooner he can get away from this shit, the better. I want him so far away from this title and never even looking at it ever again. Yeah, I think he's just hanging out, resting his body. I mean, he's not even taking this stuff seriously. And it's like, I, it's, when Yano won, the first thing I thought to myself was, okay, this thing is a second match on the card thing. It's not important. We're not supposed to think it's important. And it kind of relieved a lot of tension because I really was afraid this was going to be something much more prominent than it's going to be. You know, it's just going to be Toro Yano comedy matches, second match on the show. And it could just, you know, it just, that's a big relief from what I thought they might do with it. All right. So that has been summer struggle in Jingo. We got about uh, 20 minutes left. Uh, Do we, do we shelf payback or do we just briefly touch on payback? I watched this entire fucking show. So we have to talk about it in some way, shape or form, right? What are we talking about here? Uh, payback. Do we have to talk? We got to talk a little bit about it because I watched. We can it. run through it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's run through it as as quick as humanly possible. <laughs> I'll talk about the main event. We don't have much left anyway. Yeah. yeah Roman Roman Reigns defeats Braun Strowman and the Fiend. He becomes a champion. He's a heel, um, as I predicted last week on the on the show. So I'll take my victory lap there. Uh, he's with Paul yeah, Heyman. That firmly established that he's that he's a heel, and not only that, he's like a chicken shit heel because he waited for these two guys to beat each other up. Then he signed the contract to enter the match. And he just picked apart the bones. So he's not even a cool badass heel who just beats everybody up. Yeah, that's that's the exact point I was going to make is that all the all the intrigue I had with him at SummerSlam of, oh, man, wreck everybody and leave. All this is going to be awesome. He's just a WWE heel chicken shit now. Yep. So it's like, oh, all right, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so, you know, Because if he came in here, the way I said is like, you know, he comes out, he signs the fucking contract, Superman punch, Superman punch, one, two, three, stacks these assholes on top of each other and pins them both. And wins the title, but now he waited for them both to be down and then came in and, and did some stuff. So 
yeah, Valiant Babyface the Fiend has to get his revenge now on, on <laughs> right. this heel. It's so, ridiculous. You know, ridiculous. Yeah, so yeah. fucking terrible. And the match before Reigns came out was so bad. Just trope after trope. Throw each other into the barricade. Throw each other into the table. Just fucking disgusting bullshit. Get out of here. Go away. Yeah. Both you guys. Yeah, that's why I wanted Reigns to beat them both and just fucking kick them out, out of the ring. They fall into a hole and they the whole light's on fire and they both light on fire and go away forever so yeah well wwe sucks what do you want <laughs> dominic mysterio and Rey mysterio defeat murphy and seth rollins that's fine i it wasn't as it. good as it wasn't as good as the SummerSlam uh dominic match but uh they planted the seeds for murphy and rollins splitting you know so you know eventually that'll happen but uh you know what do you want me to say i will never care about dominic I don't know what to tell you. I just don't give a shit. Yeah, I thought he was okay, but I think they're 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 riding a little too close to the sun here with Dominic. They're they're starting to use him a lot. Like I think he's good to use like here and there, but like I don't want to see him on every single show. Like you you employ three hundred wrestlers. You employ every top independent wrestler in in the world over the last five years. I don't need to see Dominic Mysterio on every single one of your shows while fucking Ricochet and Mustafa Ali are wrestling on main event. You you know what I mean? Rich, the guy has no charisma. I like Dominic. I like the he's, idea of a Dominic, but I don't need to see him every single week on every single he, pay-per-view in every single he, semi-main event. So He looks like shit. He has no charisma. He's he's a better working version of David Flair is what he is. Like, he's David Flair, but he can work a little. I, mean, I have no interest. I've, I have no use for Dominic. I will never care about Dominic. Let's move on. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, Keith Lee defeats Randy Orton. They did the right thing. Keith Lee beat him. Um, he came out with a, a, a grass skirt this time for some reason. So, what is Keith Lee supposed to be? Why does he have a grass skirt on? Someone said this was from some dopey cartoon or something. Oh, all right. Uh, well, okay. Dragon Ball Z or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like, I like um, how you call every anime Dragon Ball Z. Or, no, uh... no. This is really from Dragon Ball oh, Z. Oh, is it really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there's someone in the chat. Do you have the chat room up? Uh, I do have the chat room up. Someone, someone will correct us of what. Someone will, someone will jump in and say, yeah. Um, I'm not looking at the chat room, but I'm almost positive this was from Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah, I mean, they did the finish that they should have done on Raw earlier in the week where he just goes in there and beats Randy Orton in five minutes. So good on them for doing it, but they did it one match too uh-huh. late. Yeah. You, you, but you, you take it because at least it's they're moving in the right you direction. You know what? You got to take them when you can get them. So, yeah. uh, women's tag title match: Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeat Bailey and Sasha Banks. Bailey and Sasha Banks cry and scream, and oh my god, we lost our titles. And Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler don't like each other, but gosh darn it, Joe, they're gonna coexist enough to win these titles. So who cares? Yeah, this went down exactly how we said it would go down. So yeah, um, you know they lose the titles. Sasha has no belts. The split's coming. And now we have a tag team that doesn't like each other. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> what, a, what an which original is, story! Here. Which, if done well, can work. But do you have any faith that this company? God, will do fucking it well? no! That's Jesus Christ, no! Uh, by the way, can can I also officially declare this? And I've wanted to declare this for months now, but I've officially like I'm I'm so ungodly, so far over it that I can't even. Can we can we abolish the blank belts, blank insert number of belts thing? Oh, I, I'm like, over it. Like, even even in New Japan when they were doing it with Naito. But I am so over Corey Graves screaming, oh my god, now it's Sasha No Belts! Yeah, like, yeah. fucking fire that into the fucking sun and let's never do that again. It's, oh, it Bailey and Sasha used to be three belts. Now Bailey has no one belt and Sasha has zero belt. You know, it's like, oh my god, get out of here. 
it started with Becky two belts. Yeah, yeah. Remember? And it was it, kind of annoying then, and now it's just gotten to the fucking point. Because now anytime anybody wins belts, it's it's blank yeah. number of belts, and yeah. it's I'm I'm fucking over it. So it was uh, Zacky two belts too with oh. Zack Sabre Jr. Yes, he may have been before Becky, but um, yeah, no, I agree. But look, that's how their commentary is. You know, they pound things. Yeah, well, they, they, they people are doing Naito with Naito two belts. It's like all right, let's fucking get original here. Come on. Yeah, double check. No, I hear you. He has two titles. Whatever. We don't have... well, look, I have dumb things that bother me. Yeah, it's just look, oh my I... god. It's like it's one of these dumb. Like it, it's so dumb and it's irrational. But I'm just like it er- enrages me now. And Corey Graves screaming, "Oh, now she's banks no belts." I was just like, "I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, I'm done." <laughs> Rich, I just went on a five minute rant on the Thursday TV reviews because MJF was wearing Nike socks and not dress socks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So so little things bother me too. I get it, man. I understand. Oh my god! All right, um, Matt Riddle, King Corbin, ten minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Uh, I guess it was fine. It didn't matter because Riddle backstage goes, "Ah, so glad to be done with King Corbin," and then King Corbin beats him up backstage. So it's like, fuck you. Oh well, how about King Corbin and WWE leveraging Matt Riddle's allegations <laughs> oh, into a storyline? I forgot they did that. Matt Riddle. My guest at this time, Matt Riddle. Matt, what yeah. do you think about King Corbin saying that you sexually assaulted a woman? Bro, I don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> what are we doing? No, he made his no, no, no. He made his serious face when. She oh, that's said, right. He said, "Oh, yeah." He was doing the bro. I just want to go out there and prove that. I, yeah, and then she said, "Well, what do you think about the tweet?" Said, well, King Corbin says you're a bad husband, and he made a serious face. Yeah, and he didn't say anything, and he just he just walked off. Ugh, oof, <laughs> this is a little uncomfortable. I don't know. Yeah, maybe let's expand on the uh, leveraging sexual assault allegations as a storyline. A little uncomfortable. A little uncomfortable, Rich. Um, can we get Cease out of the game, please? That would be nice. <laughs> 96 pitches. They're he doesn't want to get to the, the bullpen. Right? Stinks. He doesn't want to get to the bullpen quite yet. So I oh, get my it. God. They're rattling doubles off the wall like they're going out of style. I mean, come on. Get him out of here. Um, it's getting a little hot, and I'm tugging my collar. It's yeah. 6-2. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, the, the, the match is fine. King Corbin stinks, and he just done little I cut promos in the ring thing. Matt Riddle beats him, and then he beat up Matt Riddle immediately afterwards. So it's like. No, it's a terrible match. You just wasted eleven. You just wasted eleven minutes of your time. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big E defeats Sheamus. That's a good little match. Hard hitting. Um, I think Big E sold a little too much. If the plan really is to push him, yeah. Get, get, Sheamus doesn't deserve anything at this point. He's forty years old. It doesn't matter. I mean, it does have Big E go in there and dominate him. Yeah, it doesn't have to be two minutes. It doesn't have to be a minute. But like the art of like a five minute, you know, dominating match. Seems to be lost on people these days. I, I don't. I like that's the best way to build up somebody. Not twelve minute back and forth match where he's selling a bunch for for fucking Jericho, Sheamus. Jericho Janela. Yeah, uh, you know Jericho Janela. That's you know. I think Biggie though he 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 needs to be careful about digging his heels in on the comedy stuff. I mean, I get where he's coming from, but it's always going to hold him back. Yep. There's nothing. There's it's nothing. The old guy wrong. with the old funny doesn't equal money thing. Like I don't and know. There's nothing wrong with using that to get there and setting the table for yourself. But there's look, there, there, a, a tonal shift in your character. There's nothing wrong with that when it's time to be in big boy segments and big boy main yeah. events. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we'll we'll just think of any any major boxing fight. Any big UFC fight is not. Guys cutting jokes and saying, "Ah, let's go out there and figure out." You know, we'll we'll go out there and we'll have some fun or whatever. It's I'm look, gonna be. You don't here. have to go. You don't have to even go to combat sports. You could just look at pro wrestling. I mean, it's uh, you know, main event time is is it's different. You know, you can 
you can get you can you can get yourself over one way, but when it comes time to pull the trigger on someone as a main eventer, there's got to be a tone shift sometimes as well. So if he thinks he can just uh, you know blow trombones and roll down the entrance way and do bad comedy as a true main eventer, I mean, I just hope he doesn't dig his heels in because yeah. he has the potential to be a top guy. Oh, he's got so much, dude. I, I'm so sick of having five years of discussing this with Big E, and it's like now they're finally like, oh, what do we got in this Big E guy? And I have no faith that they're going to go through with it, but this dude should have been. I, I've always said, and I, I said this years ago, and I'll say it again, that when we, if God forbid we're doing the show in 10, 15 years, we will point to Big E being one of the biggest wasted you know, one of the biggest wastes that that company has ever had, where they had a guy with that charisma, that good of an in-ring, that body, you know, that just everything about Biggie, the whole package, and they just never fucking did anything with it. Well, let's see where it goes, yeah. because they claim they're giving in an honest go. Um, I don't buy it, but, um, you know, more of the guy who cut the fiery promo on The Miz yeah. Yeah. And, and, and less of throwing the pancakes and... I know his whole point of that rant was I can throw pancakes and still do this, but he's wrong. Um, what worked yeah, about his, that history promo, is not on his side on that. So it is not. It is not. What worked about that promo is that it was from the heart, and it was it was serious and it was fiery. That's why that worked. So I don't know. It's just uh, I, I would hate to see the guy dig his heels in and 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 blow it. But anyway. And then this U.S. title match, which I I can't even try to have a thought on Bobby Lashley defeats Apollo Crews and wins the title. Uh, for the so. record, I'm talking about the second talking smack promo or whatever it was on the Miz. Not the one where the Miz like totally ignored racism. I'm not Yeah, all that one. It's like, yeah, no, I had issues too. And Biggie's like, oh, no, look, bro, yeah. like yes, let sir. me have this. Let me fucking have this for five minutes. All right. And Biggie was just biting his biting yeah. his teeth like I He's can't like, believe what can I say to not get in trouble here? But I really want to tell this guy, give me fucking five minutes to say talk about plight. <laughs> but there, but but there's a second Big E promo. Yes, yeah, I know exactly. What you're That's the one about. I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I had issues too. Okay, bro, let me have this. Like... My guy, this is a different discussion. <laughs> right, I understand yeah. that, you know, you didn't win a lot of title matches in your feud yeah. with John Cena where you made event at WrestleMania, but let me have this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I know you didn't win all that much in your eight-month, you know, world title reign that culminated in a main event of WrestleMania, but... Can I talk for, for two seconds? So that was that. Yeah. Was that. So, all right. That is uh, that is all for uh, payback. Uh, so we got a few other topics to talk about here. Uh, we got about quick hitters. Uh, quick hitters. Yeah, quick hitters. We got about ten minutes here. Uh, real quickly, uh, NXT Iron Man match. Sixty hey, minutes. Hey, we called it. No winner. We called it. <laughs> we did. We knew they were going to screw everybody and do a tie. Didn't we come on here last week mm-hmm. and say they were going to do a tie? Yep. So. I, I thought there would be the uh, somebody's getting pinned. One, two, ding, ding, ding. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but instead they did one, two, three, ding, ding, ding. Oh, my God. He got to run under the bell. So uh, Balor and Cole now will face each other next week for the title. So yeah, We knew it was going to be some kind of bullshit. Six, four, by the way. No outs in the six, man. On second. I told you, man. I told you. Um, I mushed myself. I have only myself to blame. You know, do not count the money before you've won it. Um, and he did go to the bullpen. Forster is this man's name? Foster? Forster. I don't even know who that is. That's not good. Foster. I don't know who that is. And I watch Foster, number 63. Foster. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, I don't know who that is. But that, num- that number is not good. <laughs> if you're number 63, I'm not excited about you getting in the game. Uh, he's so. giving up doubles to Nikki Lopez. So that's not a good yeah, But yeah. Uh, yeah, we called it. You know, we knew there'd be uh, uh, some kind of bullshit here. So look, the match drew, though. NXT did a good yeah, number. Yeah, fantastic. Unopposed. Number. Uh, leading to the speculation that they'll move to Tuesdays. Uh, let's we'll let's see. shelf that for next week because I think we, uh, we can talk about it next week too. So yeah, we'll we'll do that next week. 
But uh, look, I look, I get why they did it because now they figure they get another title match next week, which also presumably can do a big number because it's another big match. So they get title matches in back to back weeks as opposed to just one week. So, I, and I don't hate that. I mean, that's like pro wrestling. I like you no, know. Here's I, what I, I hate, Rich: watching a match for an hour that stinks, and I don't get a winner. Right, I, I agree. Yeah, and that, that's I I made a tweet that like I when I saw the spoiler, I was so glad I did because then it said to, it told me okay. Jump in and out of this match whenever you want. None of it really matters. You're going to see it. And, and that was the best way to watch that match because I would watch it for five minutes and then I'd switch to the NBA game, right? Switch to the White Sox, right? And then I'd bounce back and go, okay, what are they doing? Okay, cool. And bounce back. And then I I, I, I tuned in for the last five minutes, five, last five, ten minutes and said, okay, let me see how they're going to get to this tie. Let me see how they're going to do it. And I enjoyed watching it that way. But that's that's not a way that most people are going to watch it is where they know the spoiler. Uh, but investing 60 minutes and then getting that is is is, is, is a tough. But um Getting the spoiler out there, or I, I don't know if that was a, you know a directive by them too. I think helped me at least watch the match in in, in that way, knowing that none of it really mattered. So it hurt them. Uh, it didn't hurt the number. Um, I mean, you think they would have done a bigger rating if the spoiler hadn't gotten out? I, I think if the spoiler came out and it said Adam Cole won the title, then I think it does worse. You know what I mean? I think the spoiler definitely helped. It, it was it was making a lot of rounds, and that that leads me to believe that. I, I don't want to say that the company put it out there, but it, it seemed to be making a lot of rounds. Yeah, yeah, could be right. But we'll talk. We'll talk about the ratings next week because I think that's a bigger discussion, and, and I want to give it some time. So uh, that's that. Uh, Brock Lesnar is a free agent, according to Mike Johnson, a PW Insider. Brock Lesnar currently a free agent. His recent deal with WWE was allowed to expire. Uh, two parties have not been able to agree on a contract. Uh, this has happened before where Lesnar and WWE have had stalled contract talks. It's not a new thing. It's not a big deal. Uh, but or for right now, it's not a big deal. But we'll see. Uh, and this, you know, people freaked out because they pulled all Lesnar's merchandise off WWE shop or whatever. But uh, they do this because they don't have the legal rights to, you know, Brock Lesnar right now. He's technically completely a free agent. So, um, yeah, what do you what do you make of this? Is it just posturing by both sides or is there a real Probably. chance that Lesnar goes anywhere? I Well, <laughs> You know, Khan, Tony Khan was very evasive. He didn't want to say shit. <laughs> yeah. He gave he gave the no comment, and it was literally just no comment, which, okay, he's a smart guy. So it's one of two things. One, he wants people to think that there's something cooking. Because why wouldn't it? Because it's like he's got a pay-per-view coming, right? And he's a free agent. So why wouldn't you want to plant the seed that maybe this guy's going to show up at your pay-per-view, right? Or number two, something really is cooking, and he doesn't want to talk about it. I think number one is more likely where he's a smart guy, he's not going to come out there and say, oh, yeah, you know, um, you know, we're not looking at signing Brock Lesnar at this time. Why would he say that? You know, you want people to – you want to leave that mystery hanging in the air, especially when you're trying to sell pay-per-views. Yeah, the smart thing is that even if five people think, oh, my God, Brock Lesnar is going to show up on All Out, you sold five pay-per-views. You know what I mean? And there's probably many more people that are going to read an article where, where it says Tony Khan, you know – said no comment when asked about Brock Lesnar. This could lead to speculation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. You're selling a pay-per-view. He said, I, he said, I can't comment. Which, yeah. number one, you can. Number one, you can. You can comment he's on anything. Agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. You can he's a free agent that. anyway. You can comment on anything you want. You can. He said, I can't comment. And and this is a guy who gives long-winded answers. I mean, you ask him one thing, and he gives an answer about 19 other things. This question, he says, I can't comment, and then he drops it. Like, he says nothing else. Yeah, which is smart. So that was by design. I mean, clearly by design to plant seeds, but I don't expect them to show up in AEW. Um, I also think that Tony Khan is smart enough that if he did sign Brock Lesnar and he was coming to all out, he'd tell people, so you'd buy the fucking show. So, you know, that wouldn't make any sense. You announce that you get a guy of that caliber um, because what's the sense of being a surprise on a pay-per-view just to pop a television rating that's backwards. Okay. Do the surprise on the TV show and then make people pay for the pay-per-view. So 
I don't think he's going to show up at all out, even though that's clearly what the I can't comment was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar, especially with Paul Heyman in his year, um, you know, is, is we've seen this game before with him in WWE. They probably don't see as much value in him without crowds. I would expect him to pop back up in WWE. Yeah, I would too. I think he's he probably just waiting out the crowds or, or, you know, if anything, he's using AEW as leverage or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, he's he's going back to WWE. So any, any sort of speculation about what's next for – and the way I think of Brock Lesnar, the way that I think he thinks as well is I don't think he really wants to go to AEW. I don't think he wants to go to New Japan. I don't think he wants to go to anywhere else but I, WWE at this point in his career. He wants to go to the top dog, the top company, the top everything. So I don't think he wants to, but I think money talks with him. I, I do think he'd go anywhere if the price was right. That I do think. But – I, you know, it's like that price is exorbitant. Yeah, that would. I don't even know if that would honestly. I mean, I know people are gonna. Would it? Oh man, the the question of if, would it be I, worth the free AW? Right now, I can't say it would be because I don't. I can't answer that unless I know the price. Right. Because then I could say, okay, well, if I know how much he cost, now I I could calculate how many more pay per views. Yeah, you get him at two million dollars a year. Okay, let's talk. If it's ten million, okay, no, I don't know about that. So okay, so at two million, let's say it was two million for four appearances. Then I can break down how many more pay per view buys they need to do to justify the cost. If I don't know how much he cost, I can't say whether he's worth the money or not. You know what I mean? I, I just can't do that. That's just how my, my that's my business. Like, that's how I operate day to day in my business. I can't. I need to know how much something costs before I know if it's cost efficient. That's just common sense. But it's like I, I think he would go anywhere if the price is right. I just don't think WWE is the only place that'll match that match the price because that's. I don't think UFC would have any interest in him anymore. Now Bellator is another story because Bellator books those gimmicky guys mm-hmm. all the time. And with crazy money so, too, crazy short-term deals and stuff. He could do Bellator and then go back to WWE when he wants to. You, you know. But at the same time, John Jones immediately started cutting promos on him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Cuz John Jones wants that fight, and why wouldn't he? It's going to do fucking millions of buys. So from that perspective, he could be in play for UFC if they think John Jones Brock Lesnar could draw money. If you want to pay for that 30-second fight, more power to you. John Jones would just decimate him. He's 44 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'd kill him. John Jones is the best fighter of all time. He would have killed him five years ago. He's going to kill him now. But, you know, Bellator, you know, they'll throw the money at him. If Tony Khan doesn't make a phone call, it's irresponsible. He has to make a phone call. How can you not? You might hang up immediately, but you got to make the call. And shit, man. There's only one person who could stop Contra Unit, and that's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> ML Dub, yeah. So Court Bauer better get on the phone. Okay? Uh, I'm sure there's a press release going out right now that's going to be posted on many sites where Court Bauer discusses you know potential of signing Brock Lesnar. Yes. You know, Court Bauer reached out to representatives of Brock Lesnar to discuss a contract. <laughs> hey, you know they're talking about this in our chat room, but here's a fact for you because I look it up. It's fact checked and it's true. Did you know that Big E Langston has been in WWE longer than in the entire first run of The Rock? Oh my god. <laughs> From from smiling oh. Rocky Maivia, that's blue chipper. That's blue chipper over there. <laughs> all the through all the failures, through the heel turn, <laughs> through the build, through the title matches, through the Austin matches, through the exit, Biggie has been there long. Through the corporate champion, through the best baby Everything. face in the world. Yeah, can you believe that shit? Uh, I can. Yeah, it's fucking disgusting. The WWE stagnation is ridiculous. We did a good show here, Rich. Wrap we it did up. a good show. Uh, you want to talk about Morrow and Gabe or no? We're done. No time. No time. Forget those guys. Anyway, voiceofwrestling.com, uh, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon, patreon.com slash voiceofwrestling. <laughs> I'm doing them. I'm doing them. I got to get them in there. Some people still those listen to guys. this. <laughs>
My bookie as well. Promo code VOW. Double your first uh, deposit up to $1,000. Anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. Talk to, you, talk to you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.